Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. That's right, it's Tuesday. Everyone listening with me live right now. That's who we are on Tuesdays. Of course, the rest of the week, all the other time during the week, we go by Good Morning Liberty And this is your favorite Liberty Time program every single day of the week when we want to. Yesterday happened to be a a day that we weren't able to do it. I'm hanging out with the Fed Haters Club right now, which you can join for only $6 a month by going to joingmail.com. You can hang out with myself and Charlie live every day of the week when we want to. You can vote on Dumb Leap of the Week and Dumb Leap of the Year, and you kind of run the show. Honestly, the content of the show, the direction of the show is kind of dictated by the people that we're sitting here on a daily basis hanging out with. Look at all the power that you get for as little as $6 a month. And yes, you get you got to pay to vote. It is kind of like a, a poll tax on Fridays, and, and we appreciate everyone for doing that. Well, we got a few things to talk about since we weren't here yesterday. By the way, I'm, I'm Nate. Charlie, the co-host, is not here. He's in Las Vegas right now gambling with all of the podcast money, as some of the people in the live group were saying. Although Charlie happens to be a pretty good gambler. He's uh, pretty good at poker and tends to make money most of the time and somehow has a, an amazing track record with slot machines as well. You know those slot machines where the the high roller ones where you put in just a bunch of hundred dollar bills, those tend to pay out pretty well, and Charlie has found that out, and he's he's up. He's been up in his gambling career as long as he stays away from the table games. He's gotta stay away from those. Okay, Charlie, if you can hear me right now, get away from the table games. You can play Cleopatra, okay, the, the slot machine, and you can play Texas Hold'em. Those are the only two approved games that we have for you right now. Anyway, it's Tuesday. Let's talk about what's going on right now in the world. The main thing I want to talk about, which we've which we've talked about a bunch, but it's officially going on now. And of course, all the people I follow on Twitter are talking about this uh, all the time. The greats, the greats out there, Bernie Sanders, AOC, um, Nina Turner, Robert Reich. All these people out here talking about the United Auto Workers strike. And so that strike is happening now. It's not all of the plants. They're striking as their contracts expire. They're doing kind of these random strikes to keep the companies guessing in their own words. And that I've I've not hidden the fact that I'm no fan of unions. It's Public unions, no private sector unions. I don't even like those because many of them are, uh, you know, it's not even whether or not you're forced to join that union. It's whether or not the company can prevent the union from forming or what they can do after the union forms without getting in trouble with the Department of Labor. A lot of times they don't they don't have many options other than closing those factories down and moving, which, in fact, they have done in the past. You see the destruction of Detroit. A lot of these companies decided they were just going to move to Mexico or China or wherever. Uh, that had a lot to do with it. And when I see these people striking, I'll be honest with you, what I want them to do is just close down all these factories and just move stuff to Mexico or whatever. Like, I, I don't like this. I don't like what people are saying on the picket lines. I don't like the principle behind the matter. We can talk about the math 
that goes behind it, which we will talk about some of the math and then we can talk about the principle. Um, we can argue that maybe the workers at these factories, maybe the people that are in the union, that they do need more of a raise. And if they've only gotten a 6% raise uh, in the last four years when we've had a cumulative 20% inflation over this time, well, you could argue that they need to get more of a raise. Or you could ask, well, what if those union workers could be replaced by people who are fine with whatever that wage is because it's a higher wage than they're getting paid at the uh, restaurant that they're working at right now. And they want to move from the restaurant they're working at to working at the uh, the auto manufacturer because it's still a big pay bump because they can get 25, 30 bucks an hour. I'm working at this uh, manufacturing plant for Ford or whatever. Well, they can't do that because these are union plants and you got to be in the union. So it's tough. Or like Costco said, are they going to just get replaced by machines? Which is something that's been happening as as well. Clearly, you look at those factories, they're very different these days than they were 20, 30 years ago. A whole lot of robots out there. And this is going to speed that up for sure. I'll, uh, <clears throat> I want to try to figure out how to frame this. When you go to uh, like this article from, I don't know, this, I would just say Jacobin. It could be Jacobin. Jacobin. I don't know how you say it. I don't know what, what country that word comes from, but whatever. Big three auto... Workers are striking against concessions while shareholders reap a bonanza. So this idea here is that shareholders are reaping a bonanza. Now, when we talk about shareholders, that is always meant to make you think of these big wigs. They're wearing suits and smoking cigars and they're raking in fat cash all the time. Um, They say this morning, UAW launched a landmark strike against the big three automakers for their refusal to provide adequate pay and job security. Meanwhile, over the last year, the automakers have authorized $5 billion in stock buybacks. So when you hear something like, well, they authorized $5 billion in stock buybacks, that's supposed to make you think, oh, well, they're just uh, they're paying themselves out and they don't care about paying the workers. A couple things about stock buybacks before we get into some of the videos from the picket lines. When they say they've authorized $5 billion in stock buybacks, that doesn't mean that they just flat out spent $5 billion on stock buybacks. Oftentimes, these are done over the course of, say, 5 to 10 years. What they're doing is they're telling their current shareholders and investors that they're going to spend this much money in buybacks over the next 5 to 10 years, as long as the conditions are right for doing that. They may or may not do it, but they've authorized that much in stock buybacks. It doesn't mean that they just went out and did it. So that's the number one thing. They didn't just straight up spend the $5 billion. The other thing is, what? why is stock buyback? And why is that bad? A big reason that you do this is to help the share price of your company. That is why you would do that. And people think that that just means you're helping out all the owners of the corporations. But in fact you are helping out all of the people who own stock in that company. It's not just the CEO and all of the other people who have O's and their title and C's and whatever. You're helping out everyone who's an investor. This is people's pensions, 401ks, private retirement accounts, anyone else. You're helping keep the value of the stock up. If you look at these company stock, especially Ford and GM, 
when you look at their stock prices, if you would have bought their stock in 1997, you would have a 0% return on them right now. They're basically going flat. And why is that? Because people are moving into EVs. Uh, These companies have not been profitable enough to send these stock prices soaring or anything. And then when you take inflation and all that into account, you lost money if you held stock over this time. So they'll come in and they will announce a stock buyback. And what does that mean? Let me tell you real quick. Let's say that Ford was going to spend $5 billion on a stock buyback. We'll just use one company and say they're going to do $5 billion. Well, Ford trades something like a billion shares a month. There'll be a, a billion shares bought and sold. So they got a specific amount of shares and people are trading that on the stock market back and forth. And they agree upon a price that they're going to uh, trade it on back and forth. Well, when you when you say that we're going to spend five billion, well, that's 500 million shares ish of of Ford stock or 400 million or whatever it comes out to. And so what you're telling them is there's going to be a lot higher volume because we are going to come in as a buyer of the stock. And so it's not just going to be all the normal volume that there is. It's not going to be all the normal buyers. We're telling you there's going to be another buyer and it's going to be a big buyer. It's going to be us. And we're going to be spending $5 billion on the stock. So you don't want to get rid of your stock right now because we're about to increase the demand for these shares. Not only that, as they're buying back the shares, they are removing shares from the market. I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but there's a certain amount of shares out there available for people to trade on the market. All right. As they buy that back, they remove shares from the market, decreasing the quantity available and increasing the demand for those shares because they're becoming a buyer of them. That can send the stock price up as well. All right. It's not just good for all the big wig owners of the company. It's good for everyone that owns it. They're not just saying we're going to buy $5 billion worth of stock from the CEO. They're saying we're going to buy $5 billion worth of the stock. That benefits anyone who owns the shares of the company. They're just going to go out there and buy them. Anyone can sell them that stock when they go to buy it. This, this is the case when they're not just buying preferred shares that only the owners of the company own. Okay, those are a little bit different. Those are not what I'm talking about right now. And so when you hear people talk about stock buybacks, you're supposed to immediately think it's a bad thing. But it's not immediately a bad thing. It's good for anyone that wants to be an investor in the company because it can help keep the price up. And it's good for the company because it keeps people investing in it and they need people to invest in it so they can spend that money on whatever it is they want to spend it on. So those are good things. It's not immediately a bad thing. I'm not saying that it's never just to enrich the top bigwigs at the company because they also happen to have a lot more shares than most other people would, but that's not the only thing that happens. I want to play some of the videos from the uh, picket lines, and I'll tell you why this has been concerning to me. One of the things concerning is is exactly what's on screen right now. You've got people like Bernie Sanders out there speaking uh, at these rallies. Why is he out there speaking at these rallies? Because what's happening with UAW and the message that they're preaching to their workers is exactly the kind of message that we've been hearing Bernie Sanders and AOC and others like them preaching to Americans and the world for years and years now. It is a very 
socialist worker ownership, anti-capitalist message. So there is a reason that people like this go out there and speak. And so when I hear the UAW president speaking, or I hear the, the people on the picket line speaking, it's basically things coming from the brain and the rhetoric of people like Bernie Sanders. I'm not saying it's directly tied to him, but there is a reason uh, that he's out there speaking. We'll play. This is kind of the hype video. Stand up and strike. Stand up and strike right here for UAW. I hope you like my singing right there. It's very good. Um, So let's play this couple minutes. eight weeks, the CEOs didn't seem to be able to find the time to show up for bargaining. But in the last week, the CEOs and the executives have found a lot of time to be able to go on corporate news and talk the talk. They pretend that the sky will fall if we get our fair share of the quarter of a trillion dollars the Big Three has made over the past decade. They want to say that our righteous fight for a higher quality of life for the working class would wreck the economy. We're not going to wreck the economy. We're going to wreck their economy because it only works for the billionaire class. The workers united will never be divided. The workers united will never be divided. So let's talk facts. First off, I'll say that um, we're not going to wreck the economy. We're going to wreck their economy. What kind of a self-defeating message and ideology is that? Their economy is the one that all of this money is coming from. And you'll see, this is this doesn't just have to do with UAW and the big three auto manufacturers. This is socialism in general. They can't look towards the future. You look at any cases throughout history, Venezuela would be a really good one, where you get all this money coming in from oil and they decide that they're just going to pay it all out, all the money that's coming in. They don't invest towards new things. Instead, it should all get paid out to the people. And then what happens when you're, you're not up on the technology, you haven't been innovating, well, you, see, you see what happens. Uh, you're not able to refine oil. You're not able to ship oil, stuff like that. So now let's get into uh, the facts, as they say. In just four years, big three profits have shot up 65%. Business is booming. Over- okay, first off. This is a common thing I've been hearing. In four years, the big three profits have shot up 65%. Now, that's not entirely incorrect, technically. Technically, it's not entirely incorrect. This top chart, this top thing I have on the spreadsheet, if you're watching the video on YouTube or Rumble or whatever, and you can check that out. Uh, this top thing here shows Stellantis, GM, and Ford. And you look over the last uh, four or five years and the percentage change. 2018, I'm just going to do 2018 to 2022, um, 15 billion in total net profits for those three. And in 2022, 24.75 billion in net profits for those three. That is an increase of 64.12%. Okay, so they say 65%. That's fine. That's fine. There is a there is a caveat to this. And I wanted to get this point across. Stellantis. Stellantis is an outlier here. And this this just matters when people are using these arguments to 
to make the case for why they should be able to charge all this money. And we don't even have to make the math case. We can make a philosophical libertarian case for the auto manufacturers should pay out uh, whatever it is that they want to pay out to their workers. And if those workers don't like it and they can get a better deal somewhere else, then they need to go work somewhere else. That's what they need to do. And if other people will come in to that factory and work and they'll be happy with 25 or 30 or $35 an hour, uh, then then that's great. That's how the market works. But when you throw the union on top of that, that's no longer how it works. They're going to try to force them to pay higher wages instead of those people just going to where their skills are more highly valued by other companies, which is the way that we would like to see it. But we're not we're not going to see that in this case. Stellantis is a big outlier. Here's an important Stellantis is a merger between Chrysler, Fiat, and this uh, PGA group. I think it was PGA. Uh, I can't remember what it is now. It starts with a P, whatever group. And this is like a, this is a European company. Okay, this merger happened in 2021. So if you look at Stellantis, you have 2018, 3 billion, 2019, less than 3 billion, 2020, 2.5 billion, 2021, 13.2 billion, 2022, 16.8 billion. The merger was approved in 2021. At that point, this company took over ownership of companies like uh, Maserati and a whole bunch of other European manufacturers that have EVs and other cars that are selling all over the world, uh, making tons of money that they didn't have beforehand when it was just Chrysler Fiat. And so they jump in 2020, 2.5 billion to 2021, 13.2 billion when that merger goes through. And now they're counting all of those sales as well. So when you're talking about the percentage change and the net profit with all these companies, that's an important thing to remember because that is a giant portion of the change. In fact, if this merger didn't happen, and by the way, Maseratis aren't made in the U.S., okay, if this merger didn't happen and Chrysler Fiat just kept going the way it was, and I was even generous with the numbers, and you gave them $3 billion in 2021 and $5 billion in 2022, assuming that their profits jumped 40% from 2021 to 2022, um, then you've actually got a 14% decline in net profits over that amount of time without that Stellantis merger bringing in all of those European brands. So things are not quite what they seem it's especially i mean they really are the outlier they shouldn't even be included in this discussion because when you look at gm and ford gm best case scenario has got 22 percent increase in net profits over this time ford from 2018 to 2022's profits is minus 153 percent is what the number comes out to they lost two billion dollars in 2022 ford did um, they made a bunch of money in 2021, but that's because of their ownership in Rivian. When Rivian uh, went public and Rivian started delivering vehicles and they have a percentage ownership in Rivian. And so they took in a bunch of increase uh, gain on their Rivian uh, investment that they made. And that's the year that that paid off. And then 2022, they're back down to losing $2 billion. 2020, they lost over a billion dollars. Okay, so... Things aren't as rosy for these companies as everyone is making it seem right now in a big part because of the Stellantis merger in 2021 and in another big part because of a the only reason Ford made any money in the last two years, three years, 
was because they made an investment in Rivian that they got paid out like $10 billion on. All right. So that's, I just feel like that's important to keep everything in context when these people are making these points. No one talks about this. For that same period, CEO pay has skyrocketed by 40%. They're absolutely rolling in the money. Big three spending on stock buybacks is... Well, I'll have to stop and uh, talk about this one more time. We've already gone through the CEO pay argument. We did that on Dumb Leap of the Week last week. Uh, but the CEO pay argument is null and void. It does not matter. You can take all of the money from the CEO and divide it out amongst all of the workers. And it would be something like an 11 cent raise per hour for all of the workers. If you just gave it to the union employees and not all of the workers, it would be something like a 40 cent raise per hour for all of those workers. So regardless, whichever way you cut it, the CEO pay does not matter. Anytime someone talks about the CEO pay, they are purely talking to you on an emotional basis. They are not talking about math. They are not actually giving you any accounting that matters, that means anything. They are trying to play on your emotions, your envy, your greed for other people's money, which is envy, in my opinion. So that's what they're doing. And they assume that that's going to take your guard down. You're going to feel envious and that you're going to want to get more money. But it does not matter. The numbers do not matter. It's up a staggering 1,500%. Average new car price buybacks is up a staggering 1,500%. Average new car price. They talk about buybacks once again, like we did in this most this uh, previous article we were discussing. Uh, because of that $5 billion buyback that they did. Okay. And that's up 1,500%. $5 billion in buybacks, okay, that's some money. Maybe over this entire time, over 10 years, they spent $10 billion on buybacks, okay. Well, if you take these three together, and we'll talk about this a little bit later because it's important, new investments in changing over to EVs and making EV batteries because of the incentives placed above them by the uh, presidential administrations, uh, that's totaling somewhere like $100 billion, All right, coming up, we're going to talk more about this UAW strike and how I believe it tells us that the socialist revolution is coming. Some of you union guys out there might not like this, but guess what? I don't like unions either. Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live network. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. But what about paying your bills? Spritz.Finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org. What's up, y'all? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie. 
Nate Thurston here from Good Morning Liberty. Charlie's not here for this segment or the last one. He'll be here for the rest of the show. Before that break, we've been talking about this UAW strike. And I told you, I think the socialist revolution is coming. We were talking about the stock buybacks and how UAW is making a big deal out of those. But they're not talking about the investments these companies have been making. And so why look at the stock buybacks and say, well, they've been able to do this, so we should get paid more money when they've done 20 times more in that in investment towards new technologies. It's because you're trying to make people envious once again and get them to do whatever it is that you want them to do. Prices are up 34%. They're price gouging the hell out of the American consumer. Inflation's up 20%. I can't, I, I didn't plan on spending this much time on this video, but um, new car prices are up 30 something percent and that's price gouging. Or, or uh, the raw materials that they're paying for to make these vehicles have also gotten way more expensive over time. Okay, their their profit margins are still really small. These companies are still the five, six percent net profit margins, something like that, is what they're making. Okay. They're ignoring the fact that the raw goods, the raw materials going into the vehicles have gone up quite a bit. Even electricity costs for the for the factories, shipping costs for all the cars. They're they're not paying attention to any of that. It's just price price gouging. That's that's all it is. Once again, they're just trying to get in your emotions. Inflation is 20%. The next point that they make is a true point. Inflation 20% over this time. They're doing since the last contract that they did. And I believe their pay went up 6% over that time. Is that the automaker's fault that inflation was 20% during this time? Or did it have something to do with the government printing trillions of dollars? Okay, so maybe the company is going to have to come in and account for this. But then here's another weird thing. Like, why did their wages only go up 6% through this time? Because that's what the union contract said. That's the thing about getting locked into a union contract. You, you, you get this contract and then that's what your wages go up during this time. Wages for other workers who aren't in union contracts have gone up closer with inflation, although not all the way with inflation. They've gone up more than these guys. Well, that's because they were locked in contracts. Okay, so that's the pluses and minuses to dictating to the companies over a four year term or however long it is uh, what they're going to have to pay you. Sometimes you lose on that. You got to take the uh, bad with the good. So you better believe big free price gouging has a lot to do with that also. And auto workers' wages are up a mere 6%. So we've continued to fall further behind. Can we fight? We win! Solidarity! In their economy, one of our workers would have to work 400 years to make what a CEO makes in one year. We are... So that argument right there, one of our workers would have to work 400 years to make what their CEO makes in one year. That's an emotional argument. You could say that to someone and they could feel like they've got no chance of ever getting ahead or whatever. Uh, but it has no bearing on what people are getting paid. Like it, it doesn't matter. You can do the math on it. You can easily do the math on it. And it doesn't matter. You could pay, you could double the CEO's salary. You could triple the CEO's salary. You could pay the CEO 20 times more and it might not equal if you took all that money and gave it to the workers what they're asking for a raise right now. 
because there's so many workers. And when you divide out $30 million out between hundreds, a hundred thousand workers, doesn't come out to very much money. That's just the way that math works. I'm sorry. Math is mean. Sometimes it's mean math. All right. I'm going to go to one of the other videos. Uh, we've got party for socialism and liberation. Um, so you got some great people posting stuff out here. Uh, let's see what some of these workers that are striking are saying. You get a raise of every other year, 45 cents. 45 cents. 45 cents. Yeah. Him, me, him, him, Oscar. That's our raise. 45 cents every other year. Not every year. Every other year. The retirees out here can barely uh, pay for their prescriptions. I've been in gave 30 years, 40 years of their life. They can barely put food on the table. You got people working in these plants that can't even buy the trucks and the cars that they build. One, two, three, four, we don't take it anymore. One, two, three, four, we don't take it anymore. We've had a 6% raise over the last four years. The, the high wigs or big wigs or whatever you want to call them, they've gained 40%, which is crazy. The way the system is built right now, it's not built for, for the middle class and the, and the lower people to win. It's not, and if we don't do it right now, your kid's going to be in trouble. So they're all out there echoing Bernie Sanders' democratic socialist, socialist, communist arguments right now um, on the strike, on the picket line for the unions. And so you ask me why I don't like unions is because this this is the mentality uh, that has to go in to having a union. It is an anti-capitalist mentality. It's an anti-business owner mentality. It's a pro-worker, and hey, I'm pro-worker. But there's different ways to be pro-worker. That's why we believe in a free market. You want people to have more opportunities out there. And like I said, if if this guy right here on screen is not making enough money to uh, help his kids or do whatever it is that he's, that he's trying to do, uh, then I would recommend that he get a job making more money somewhere else. But he might not be able to. He probably can't. And so why does he just automatically deserve more money if you can't command more money like that in the market? Here's another person talking about some of the same stuff. It would take um, just somebody like me 40 hours a week. Yeah. Um, no overtime, 365 years to make what our CEO made at Stellanus in one year. 365 years. I don't know that you need $22 million a year yeah. to enjoy yourself. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. That's just the person I am. I agree. Like, making that money, like, knowing that there's kids on the street, homeless. Like, I just, that's just me. I, I don't know. They're a different kind of breed, I think. I just now, after eight years in August, I just now reached top pay. Yeah. And I just now started making, I think, a dollar more than what my mom made when she retired. In, 1997. in 1997. So 25 years later. Yes. I mean, eventually in 10 years, you're going to have a lot, a lot of money or you're going to struggle. There's not going to be any happy meat. I hope that doesn't happen, but it worries me that it will. So yet again, the argument that you and she'd have to work 365 years to make what the CEO makes. And she wouldn't be able to do that. You know, she just wouldn't get, well, then, then don't worry about it. There's one person doing that that has nothing to do with your wage and then she goes into talking about, well, there's a lot of people that are hurting out there that are struggling. There's, started, there's people in the streets, there's uh, hungry kids or whatever it is that she was talking about. But she's not talking about giving that money to them. 
she's talking about the company needs to pay billions and billions more dollars to the people that are working for this company. And they're making some of the best wages that are out there in the economy right now. Some of these people making that it goes from 18 to $32 an hour. When you look at the total compensation, this, these are numbers that the companies have been throwing out and it's important to look at it. Uh, when it goes to total compensation, pension and benefits, stuff like that, they say that they're actually paying $66 an hour uh, for their for their workers because of all of the benefits. Now, I haven't done all the math on that. I haven't looked into it. There's several people uh, that are throwing those numbers around, the CEOs of the companies and stuff like that. Maybe it's all propaganda. Maybe it's all made up. I don't know, but that's total compensation. And we're talking about the CEO's total compensation. So I think we should compare total comp to total comp. And in my opinion, I think we should. Uh, I believe we got one more video here. Let's see. Yep. 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 And here we go. Well, the more I think about it, you hear this term income inequality. I think that's the wrong term. This is just theft. It sounds to me like these companies are, are wage slavery, you said. Yeah, wage slavery. I mean, how how can someone work six hours, to, ten, I mean, six days, ten hours a week, or ten hours a day, and still not be able to afford? We can't even afford a cat if you wanted a cat. And like, <laughs> we can't kids. A cat, you said? We can't kids. We can't afford an animal if we wanted an animal. Like, afford the house plants I have yeah. just, to, just to water them and, you know, buy soil. Well, get rid of your house plants. Just get rid of Put them outside in nature. You can't afford a cat? Don't get a cat. All right. Put it out in nature, too. The cat's a prisoner anyway. I feel bad. You know, every time I open the door, the cat trying to go outside. I'm like, no, cat, you got to stay in your cell. You got to stay in your prison cell. Okay, so I don't know. Maybe don't imprison helpless animals. (laughs) They want to come inside, too. They just want to go. They want to do both. You know how cats are. They're they're curious about stuff. But this is theft. This guy says the more he thinks about it. It's wage slavery. It's theft. You know, it's not theft or all of the taxes that are being taken out of these people's paychecks um, without their consent and all of the inflation that has happened over the last few years without people's consent. That's not theft. Uh, It's that these companies aren't paying more money than they might even be able to afford uh, to these workers. And the thing is, they're going to do the math on this and... It's going to work out to where they'll they'll have to raise the price of the cars. They're going to have to decrease the amount of workers that they have. They might have to move some factories overseas, or they might have to invest less in some of the things that they're wanting to invest in right now. Like that, that's that's just what's going to happen. It, you're not going to get around that the companies can't just lose money every year, and they want to make a certain amount of money also. Uh, so they maybe they want to make four percent or five percent every single year. Uh, to be a to be a good company, people aren't going to invest in it if they're not making that much every year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm not going to go through the rest of this article we were just talking about, but let's talk about some of the reasons why this is happening. They put out stats like these companies have made a couple hundred billion dollars over the last ten years. Now, um, that that's true. When you look at their net income, I was going through some of their statements. You could see I was looking at some of their numbers. Um, it's true. They have gone through uh, and made a couple hundred billion dollars over the last 10 years. But what have they been doing with it? 
Well, they're not just paying it out to the people up at the top. It's not even sitting in their bank account because you can look at their cash balances and their cash balances haven't changed that much over over that time. Uh, I think GM has $20 billion uh, in cash. Ford, I think less than that. Stellantis is probably doing the best out of all of them, but we've already talked about some of the issues with Stellantis. What about some of the rules that the government has placed on these companies? We talked about this when they announced it last year. New EPA rule, U.S. fuel economy rules, will soon require 49 miles per gallon average. Now, that takes a lot of innovation to get to that, 49 miles per gallon average. The way you're going to do that, you're going to have more hybrids and you're going to have more EVs, and they're going to be required to have this. Um, I think this is like by 2030 or so, they have to have 49 mile per gallon average. It might be even sooner than that. So they put these rules over the top of the companies, and you're talking about you're talking about Fords and Chevys and Dodge, you know, they, they're not exactly known for their amazing fuel economy. They're not like Tesla who comes in and only does EVs. And so clearly the miles per gallon doesn't apply to them. They've got to retool their whole setup to be able to do this. All right, they're, they're not set up to be EV companies. This has been a big transition for them to, to switch into EVs and, and hybrids. Massive transition for them, which requires a lot of money. Billions and billions of dollars it requires. Now, in the Inflation Reduction Act, here's an article that we've discussed in the past. Biden's EV push could end up costing taxpayers four, four times more than advertised. EV push. Costing taxpayer, taxpayers four times more than it was advertised. Um, that they had initially said it was going to cost $30 billion. And now they're saying it could end up costing over $100 billion. A big portion of this has to do with what they're going to pay these companies for their EV battery plants. Essentially subsidizing their EV batteries. And all of these companies, because of these subsidies for the batteries, have transitioned in the building battery manufacturing plants in the U.S. Billions and billions of dollars into this. Let's see, following the rash of new battery investments, totaling more than $73 billion from these companies, $73 billion in 2022 alone, they have put into making batteries because the government's going to be subsidizing the batteries for them. Okay, you got... Ford saying that they're going to receive $7 billion in tax breaks from 2023 to 2026. GM expects $300 million just in 2023. Um, yeah, $17.5 billion between 2023 and 2026 for the uh, automakers, and that's including Tesla that the government's going to be paying out. And that's just batteries. And so they put this incentive over the top of the companies, and they say, well, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to put all of our money into making batteries so we don't have to buy them from China because that's what people are worried about. What's the other thing that's happening? Well, the government is also doing this $7,500 tax credit for EVs. And so an interesting part here is that they're taking money from the people through taxation and they're then turning around and giving it back to these companies, which we know, as we talked about in the past, is raising the prices of the cars that they're manufacturing. Then they take the tax money, which some of it got taken from the workers, by the way, and then they give it back to these companies for their higher-priced vehicles. Of course, that's once they transition themselves into fully EV manufacturing companies. 
The problem that we're running into here is that you might not be able to do both of these things. Okay. Here's an article from, uh, I think this year Ford, uh, spending $11.4 billion investment in new EV battery plants. Uh, previous year, 2022, Ford announces $3.7 billion to invest to build electric vehicles. Now, when they talk about the combined $5 billion in stock buybacks, that's supposed to make everyone really mad. Oh, they're wasting all this money. Well, just Ford in the last, in 2022, 2023, right there, announced $14.7 billion investing towards going towards EVs and batteries. No one's talking about that. They're talking about like the billion dollars, $2 billion or whatever out of that stock buyback number, because that includes all of the companies. Uh, they're, they're talking about that and that that's them being greedy and wasting their money. So the, the problem they're running into is that they're essentially being mandated by the government to transition into being EV companies. All right. To be able to do that, they've got to like rebuild their companies because they're not built to do this. They've got to make new manufacturing plants. They've got to retool all of the current, all of the current plants. If you followed Tesla for a long time, it took them a long time to get all this stuff figured out. And that's what Ford and GM and even Stellantis with Chrysler and Fiat and all that, um, what they're trying to figure out. It takes a lot of money to do that. And so as they make these profits, the profits that people are worried about over the last 10 years, because we look at things in increments of 10 years, I guess, they can either take the $200, $250 billion in profits and give it all to the workers that are currently working there, or they can take it and do this transition into green energy vehicle, green vehicles or whatever. I don't want to say green energy because it's still going to be coming from dirty energy, most of it. Which one is it going to be? They're not going to be able to do both of them. So if, if they, this UAW strike ends up equaling the 40% or 35% pay increases that people want, that could end up costing these companies a lot of money. How much a lot of money? Um, oh, I forgot to put the article in here. I had an article from Business Insider that I just pulled today. What did the fact on at the top of it say? UAW demands would add $80 billion to U.S. car maker labor costs. Now that's over the course of the, uh, that's over the course of the, um, agreement. I think it's four years. So $20 billion more a year. But there's $80 billion that they're going to be spending on transitioning into being new car companies. And instead they're going to pay out that much more in labor. You think it's going to increase the price of the vehicles? How are they going to get enough money to go out there and transition to EVs? and making clean batteries. They're either going to raise the prices so they can make a bunch more money and put that towards it, or they're going to go to the government for help. And the government's going to have to give them your money to go and build these factories and uh, manufacture all these batteries and these new cars. No such thing as a free lunch. That's the moral of the story. And the biggest problem I have with all of this is the socialist mindset behind it. The mindset of, well, they made these profits. That means it needs to go out to these workers. Record profits mean record wages is kind of the the thing that they've been saying. Record profits could mean record wages if you don't want to expand your business or if you're not trying to entirely create a new business like uh, what these companies are 
needing to do right now. Right now, they need to fully transition to being new companies that make vehicles like Tesla does. Okay, this is going to help Tesla in the short term quite a bit. And by the way, UAW going after Elon Musk right now as well, saying um, that greedy people like Elon Musk, oh, workers shouldn't accept lower wages. So greedy people like Elon Musk can build more rocket ships. Now, on one hand, he's talking about the fact that Tesla is not a union automaker. And when you look at their pay comparisons, Tesla pays the same total compensation or more by some calculations. I haven't done all the calculations. Uh, When you include their stock options and benefits, Musk responded and said that some of the people at the company have become millionaires over the last few years with what's happened with Tesla stock. Okay, that's a long term mindset for people that are actually taking real profit sharing and even real ownership in the company of the goods that they are making. It's a longer term mindset where some of the people working at the company have just become millionaires because maybe they didn't have a union, but they were getting paid shares of Tesla, which then skyrocketed and they made a ton of money. Which one sounds better? I I think, I think what Tesla's doing sounds better And then the sad part of this, once again, this mindset where you can't look at towards the future. Greedy people like Elon Musk building more rocket ships. Rocket ships are pretty important. All right. We've gotten a lot from our space programs over the years. A lot of new inventions. Uh, I think going to Mars is cool. I think the innovations that are going to come from the attempt to go to Mars is going to be even cooler. And then when you look at things like Starlink, throwing internet around the world to places that have not been able to communicate uh, third world countries that haven't had any infrastructure, but they can get it. Or even if you care a whole bunch about people in Ukraine and they didn't have any way to communicate until all those Starlink terminals were sent over there. You care about that too, but it's more important that Elon Musk took all the money that Tesla made, which by the way, they were losing money for a long time, took all the money that Tesla made and just gave it to all the workers and then never invested in anything else in the future after that. And that is why socialism fails. One of them. One of the main reasons that socialism fails. And that's what all of these people are missing right now. That's a very scary mindset. I've been worried about the socialist takeover for a long time. Not personally, but for the world in general. It might not come through government. I see it more in what these unions are doing right now. This anti-capitalist mentality where you can come in with aid of the government and the Department of Labor and the fact that they can't just now fire all of these union employees and hire all new ones at these factories. Uh, So they have the aid of the government, but they come in, they form the union, and then they control the company, essentially. It's a de facto worker ownership and seizure of the means of production uh, by way of using the Department of Labor and the force that they are allowing uh, them to have as well. So that's why I don't like what's happening right now. I like to actually look at the math involved in it and I want to see what would happen in a free market. The union is not part of a free market. What the government does is not part of a free market and the companies themselves getting tons of uh, incentives with these EV credits uh, for batteries and the cars, not even operating in the free market either. And these are all symptoms of that problem. And here at Good Morning Liberty and Liberty at Night on Tuesdays, we push for a free market because that is the only moral and just way for a society to organize itself, not even to be organized, but to 
organize itself because that truly is people just acting freely with one another. So if you agree with those things, maybe you want to listen to our podcast every day of the week called Good Morning Liberty. You can find that on your favorite podcast app. You can find this Free Talk Live episode on their podcast channel. Look for Free Talk Live on your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to BernieLives.com and find all of our stuff. Coming up, we're going to be talking about the antitrust case against Google and some of the dumb tweets from last week. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. What's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. My name is Nate Thurston. Listen to Good Morning Liberty, our daily podcast, wherever you find your podcast. And this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering the Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And a big thanks to Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. I got a couple words to say on this. And first off, Charlie, I want to say a word about principles. And even though, like, let's say you hate a company or disagree with them and everything that they do, when you have principles in a scenario, uh, then you can defend someone's right to do something or defend this entire system itself, even though you might hate the company or the person that that the government is going after. And so this has to do with the United States versus Google and the antitrust case. Google has... Um, they don't like us very much. Mm-mm. I'll just say that we got our strikes on YouTube. Um, shadow banned. It's been pretty. It's been pretty bad. Now we're not. We're not just blaming other people. You know, saying that we have no responsibility in the matter. Of course, uh, but our last, even our last YouTube short. You know how many views it got? Five. It got twenty. Twenty. Twenty views. Five times four. You yeah. Let me finish. <laughs> even the band. Even our shadow ban TikTok got way more than that, uh, which, of course, we've get let out of that and, and back. It's been kind of weird. And so YouTube, they, they uh, censor a lot of things, mm-hmm. especially once you get those strikes piling up. You can't handle the truth. They don't like basically. it. And, uh, and, but that does not mean that I want the government to come in and break them up. 
or take away any of their rights to be a competitor in the market. Now think about yesterday's conversation. I'm curious at all if Google didn't comply with some of Size's requests. Well, and now there's an antitrust case against them. I don't think so because this was started three years ago. It's just now getting the trial, Mm. but they started this uh, lawsuit three years ago or a little over three years ago, I believe. Could be. I mean, maybe it had something to do with it because COVID was still going at that time. But Google's always been pretty hardcore on these things. So I don't know. This, uh, uh, the, um, what's her name? Lena Khan, I think is her name. Khan is her last name. I can't remember what her first name is. She basically hates all business and, um, She's been she's the one who went went after uh, Meta because they were trying to buy a fitness app to put in the metaverse and that it might hinder future apps that could potentially pop up. And if they already have one, then they'd be killing that market before it started. You know, stupid stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's get into this. The Justice Department's case. Is we don't anybody doing fitness. You know? No. Yeah. The uh, the DOJ's case is aimed at Google search and whether the company has used illegal agreements to sideline its rivals and harmed consumers and advertisers in the process. Google pays billions of dollars to Apple, for example, to be the default search engine on the Safari browser. Google grew up... Dr- now, that's really the main part of this problem right now is that it's they pay Apple and they also pay... They they also have it on Android phones. I was going to say they also pay Google. Um, they <laughs> they also have it they on pay themselves <laughs> on Android phones and all the others to be the uh, the default browser. Uh, and you can like they're the default search on their default browser because I still use Safari. Some people have Chrome mm-hmm. on their phones. I guess yeah. I just use Safari on my phone. But is it bad? I got both. Depends on what I need to yeah. do. Anyway. Um, because they're the default, that means that they're ex- exercising some kind of monopoly power. Mm-hmm. And apparently... That they made an agreement with, with another company. Yeah. Now, what I wonder is, if this like, is a, illegal for them to do, why isn't it illegal for Apple to take Google's money and make them the default browser? Like, what law is Apple breaking in taking money from Google and making Google their default search engine yeah. on their browser? There's not one is the answer mm. because they clearly can't point to the law. They just say, oh, with Apple, you can't do that. You're breaking this law. There's not a law to point to for them to say that, which is why they're doing it. Mm. It's very weird. The weird thing about like, imagine entering into agreement with someone and then like the other mm. parties like, OK, well, if we're going to do this agreement, like like you're going to be my default mm. person, you know, that like that. That's what I require for this agreement. And you're like, no, 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 I can't do that. No. no, can't do that. You just, you just give me money and then I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And I have, to, you know, you have to allow other people in to this agreement, whether you want to or not. And I trust is notoriously as confusing as what you were just talking about. Like it's, here's the thing with antitrust cases. And I think I heard this in one of Ayn Rand's books or whoever, but um, you can be prosecuted for almost anything under antitrust law if your prices are too high, you could be prosecuted for having a monopoly and price gouging people. If your prices are too low, you can be prosecuted for anti-competitive practices and trying to put your competitors out of business. If your prices match everywhere, you can be Which, prosecuted for having a cartel 
and matching prices with all of the other businesses out there. And so any direction that they want, they can find a way to hurt your business. And so, so it, insane. you are always walking on eggshells. And that's why things like what we talked about with the censorship uh, and what the uh, Fifth Circuit Court ruled are so important because these businesses can literally be breaking antitrust law at all times. And it just depends on when the government decides they want to try and prosecute them. And they might not even think they're going to win. They might not win this case, but they're going to annoy the heck out of Google and make them spend a bunch of money for years and years. And no company wants to go through the headache of that. So sometimes you'll just decide to comply with them. So you don't have to go through the headache. Well, the general counsel at the company wants to go through it. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) They get paid for this, you know? Now, this is um, this is interesting. Google grew up during an era of more relaxed antitrust enforcement, particularly particularly against technology companies that developed innovative and often free ways to explore and use the Internet. Efforts to regulate Google and other technology giants have failed to advance in Congress in recent years. In the absence of such rules, the government is trying to use antitrust law to govern competition on the Web and put curbs on the Internet's gatekeepers. Now, because the government should own the internet yeah oh and they're literally saying that the lawmakers who are elected by the people to make laws and make regulations if they want to well the people who elect them aren't concerned enough about this at at all um and so they're not passing any new laws or regulations Uh, and so the federal bureaucracy the department of justice is just going to go after them anyway even though the people that are elected by the people have decided that it's not important enough mm. for their constituents for them to go after. Um, I love this next paragraph. Why here. is Google facing a lawsuit? The uh, DOJ and a group of states sued Google three years ago, alleging it illegally maintains a monopoly in online search and related advertising markets. Google has about a 90% market share in search and maintains its dominance through restrictive agreements with browser and phone partners such as Apple, Mozilla, Samsung, Verizon, according to the DOJ. God, did you guys hear that? Monopoly, 90%. Yes. Now, <laughs> the other thing that I bet they're doing, I did not look into what they uh, are calling the market. But when they say market share, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll narrowly define the market share. So they could say something like um, internet browser search engines, like specific. And then they'll say Google has 90% of that. What might not fit into that is uh, ChatGPT or X or several other websites that people go and look for things, TikTok, things like that. So what they'll do is they'll narrowly define it all the way down to something. They did the same thing with Microsoft. They, they said it had to be a standalone computer uh, running this system based off of this particular Intel uh, chip. And so it basically narrowed the market all the way down to almost Microsoft that, windows that was it Mm -hmm. Uh, even though people were using apple computers and linux and these other companies at the same time they narrowed the market share all the way down to whoever was using this one intel chip so they could narrowly define uh windows market and say that they were controlling that entire market and so they 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 pull this stuff they they do this all the time okay even though this is the biggest one in 20 years these deals the government says are illegal Make Google the default search engine on most U.S. phones. Google's separate agreements with Android-based mobile device manufacturers forbid pre-installing or promoting rival search engines if they opt to take a cut (laughs) 
of Google's search revenue. So if they want to take a cut of the revenue, they can't. Now, remember, they can't pre-install. You can still download them. Or promote. Or pre- you just, if you want to take a cut of Google search revenue, then they don't want you to do like, it. Look, if I'm going to pay you. Yeah. I'm just asking that you don't promote somebody else because I'm paying you. Mm-hmm. Remember? Like, you're getting a cut. Did you did you know that? I mean. <laughs> this is so insane. I don't even know so we do advertisements for BetterHelp all the time. So insane. You know? Remember BetterHelp? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't. We can't do any agreements with any other uh, providers that that provide the same or similar service in the same field as they do mm. at, at all. Like it's it's in our agreement. Like that can't we can't even do that. Talking about spaces. No, not even yeah. talk about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So the, that's kind of a kind but of that's a because BetterHelp has a monopoly. Yeah, and, and they, we are controlled. <laughs> and you know who they're hurting here? Here's funny. Here's the victim, Microsoft. <laughs> That's the victim in this scenario. All right. Bing. DOJ. Duck, duck, go. It's kind of funny. Um, It's kind of funny because this lawsuit was started three years ago. And if you pay attention to things like the stock market, you know that, well, Microsoft owns a big portion of, uh, or did they buy out? Anyway, OpenAI, who owns ChatGPT. Google stock tanked when that whole thing happened and ChatGPT blew up because the word on the street is that all search is going to be going through things like ChatGPT, not through Google. This has happened since the lawsuit started. And that's when it was not going before that. Bard. Bard, which which failed miserably Mm -hmm. in their first test. And that is not accounted for in this lawsuit. This market is always changing. And so now people in the market are saying, well, all search is going to be going through basically ChatGPT, which is Microsoft. And Google's Bard is terrible. And they're trying to come up. They're frantically. Google is frantically trying to come up with something to compete with Microsoft in search right now, year of our Lord, 2023, (laughs) not when this lawsuit was started in 2020. You can't make this stuff up, man. It's pretty great. And you want to know who with this victim, it's kind of funny. Um, The most search word on Bing is Google. (laughs) Now this is in 2021, but when people say they're, uh, what is it? Edge uh, opens up Mm -hmm. to being, they search Google to go search things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> Google's better mm. at searching. I, w- I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Or it's just, you know, once you have your brand to a point where it's a verb, you Google things. Right. Then you you've kind reached of, kind of peak brand. You've won. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how Twitter used to be when you would tweet things. Mm-hmm. Once you're a verb, you've made it. You don't take away the verb, Elon. It's a terrible idea. Okay, mm-hmm. I get it. The name's dumb or whatever, but um, anyway, <sighs> these things bother me even when it happens to a company that I don't like. Okay, and I think that that's an important thing to know. Well, and the here. reason, but the the biggest reason is because this only harms consumers. It does. They say they're protecting consumers, but they're doing the exact opposite. Because now, when they break Google up, or if they do, if they end up doing it, or whatever the case may be. Um, it, what's going to happen is these types of things are just going to get more expensive, mm-hmm. you know, like, or they're not going to be as good. And so now you're just harming consumers. And as you mentioned, the market takes care of itself, right? Yeah. We can't, the government doesn't look into the future and like, okay, well, what, what is, does not exist right now 
that may exist in the future that could completely overtake Google, like AI. Mm-hmm. You know, and and are, is it going to be better? Because Google's been focusing a lot on search to be the best search. They weren't. They didn't have as big a team or as much investment in AI as some other people were because they had the incentive to overtake some of that market share. You know who did think about this outside of the government? Microsoft did mm-hmm. by buying 10% of open AI way back when. And because they knew that they needed to compete with Google and they were looking ahead to the future and knew that things were going to be moving to more AI based searches. And so they go and they buy open AI and they get chat GPT. And all of a sudden people in the market are saying, Google might be screwed. We might have two or three more years of Google dominance. And then this thing's going to crash unless they come up with something to compete with Microsoft, because that's the way the market works. Mm -hmm. They always find a way. It's beautiful. It is. Despite what the government is doing. All for a motive of evil, scary profit. Terrible, terrible stuff. Uh, Speaking of profits, we could be coming up on a a strike on the automobile manufacturers Mm. coming up here soon. Now, we've talked about this a little bit because of their ridiculous 46% pay increase demand based off of how much the CEO pay went up at those companies. Uh, So we have mentioned this several times, Uh, but there's just over 24 hours left before this deadline, Charlie, and they're nowhere close. Apparently Hmm. Um, it's not, they're not talking about all of them striking, but if you want to read through some of this or whatever you want to do with just over 24 hours left before a strike deadline, UAW president, Sean Fain said Wednesday that offers from the companies aren't enough and the union is getting ready to strike. Automakers contend that they need to make huge investments to develop and build electric vehicles while still building and engineering internal combustion in uh, vehicles. They say an expensive labor agreement could saddle them with costs that would force them to raise prices above their non-union foreign competitors. And they say they have made fair proposals to the union. So let me read that again. Yeah. They say an expensive labor agreement could saddle them with costs that would force them to raise prices above their non-union foreign Mm -hmm. competitors. Does the union have a monopoly in this case? <laughs> should we uh, do? Should we break up the union? Should we do an antitrust case? That against might be the union something I could get behind because they're forcing them, <laughs> yeah, to raise their prices. There's an important thing in here, which is that they're trying to do this transition to electric vehicles. Only Tesla has figured that out so far. These other companies have not figured it out. They're not making money off of it yet. It took Tesla a while to make money off of it, but they lost a lot of money in the process. Uh, these other companies like GM and Ford are not doing well and Ford's losing a ton of money switching to electric vehicles. But guess what's happening? The government is essentially forcing them to switch over to electric vehicles. And so they're all trying to do this and it's, they're burning through a ton of money. And while they're making well, money GM's right now, leading the way though, <laughs> they're leading yeah. the way mm-hmm. while they're making a ton of money right now, they're making a ton of money off of their, uh, um, combustion engines with yeah. ice internal combustion engines yeah. uh, vehicles not off of the electric vehicles and so they still need to pivot into this but what pe- the workers are saying is well you guys made a lot of money that all needs to go to the workers because without us you wouldn't have made it and there's been this argument really really prevalent since the UAW thing but their profits are going up which means worker pay needs to go up right and 
okay, that's a conversation. Profit going up, worker pay can go up. Or there's other thing. What if the profit goes down? Should the worker pay go down at that point? No, never. Well, I've made that argument. Nina Turner has responded because a lot of people are saying that. Uh, She said, it does go down. Workers are laid off when profits go down. So they, so they fire people when profits go down. And so the alternative, like if you're going to make that analogy is when profits go up, don't businesses hire people. And that's the thing that these, these kind of folks, the socialist leftist kind of folks don't see is that if you make a bunch of profits, you can invest in more production. And so you, instead of just taking, let's say you got a thousand workers and you make all this profit and you're like, well, we're going to just pay these thousand workers a bunch more money and just keep on trucking. Well, what if we double our workforce and go to 2000 workers with this extra profit? Well, now you could say, well, the company had a lot of profits and they didn't give it to any of us. Look at that. <laughs> well, they hired a thousand more people. They gave it to new people. Yeah. That's where the money went to increase more production, to make more money, which some, I didn't pull any of it up. Maybe it's a dumb bleep. Some guy responded to me and said, well, more production. That just means prices are going to go up. <laughs> huh? What? What? Huh? Or they invest in more technology, which <laughs> yes. makes it easier, more efficient. Yeah. It actually brings the costs down. It kind of seems like it would bring costs down. The only down. reason why vehicle prices are getting more expensive is because there's more regulation to comply with. Yeah. There's obviously more features and different things they're putting in. They're getting the better. Yeah. To make them better, safer, all kinds of things. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with forced government regulations, like the cash for clunkers. That we <laughs> they're in Obama. Well, they also do these things like a, a, a company must have an average, uh, I'll just pull a number out. 20 miles per gallon, 25 miles per gallon across all their vehicles. Mm-hmm. And so they have to drop off some of the cheaper, lower end vehicles that get worse mileage. Also trucks, stuff like that. But I think, I don't know if they do it across all vehicles or classes, uh, but what ends up happening is they'll get rid of the cheaper vehicles that weren't as fuel efficient. And I've got you, one of the last V8 Toyotas. Really? Yeah. Don't, don't even make V8s anymore, huh? Mm-hmm. Nope. Got that thing back in seventeen eighty. So wait, what, what number is All it? All the new Tundras have a V6 with a turbo. What's the special 1794. 94. What's special about that year? I don't know. They I, just picked it. They're they like, just, oh, 1794. It's a big year. I mean, they're Japanese, so who knows what they were. That's true. It, it could be anything. Something could have happened in <clears throat> Japan in 1794 <clears throat> that led them to make one of the best trucks ever made. Okay. I think. Let's see. If the companies continue to bargain in bad faith or continue to stall or continue to give us insulting offers then our strike is going to continue to grow. A lot of continues in there. Hmm. That says Fain. Uh, He said the targeted strikes with a threat of escalation will keep the companies guessing. That's what I like to do with my boss. Mm Got to keep him guessing. Guess what I'm going to (laughs) do. You have no idea. The UAW started out demanding 40% raises over the life of a four-year contract or 46% when compounded annually. And coming up, we're going to keep talking about this UAW conversation um, as we have been. It's a pretty big deal right now. And then we're also going to get into this medication that we've all been taking over the counter for like 20 years that the FDA just voted unanimously saying, yeah, it doesn't work. Like no one says it works. Okay, including the FDA. What are they going to do about it? I don't know. This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network from Nashville, Tennessee. 
So you've signed the Shire Society Declaration and are planning your move to New Hampshire to be around more liberty-oriented people. Next, sign up for the Shire Society Forum at forum.shiresociety.com. There are a bunch of people there who are already in the Shire, and they want to meet you. If you're already in the Shire physically, you should also come by the forums. Remember, not everyone uses Facebook. New people are signing up for the Shire Society Forum every month, so drop in and say hello at forum.shiresociety.com. All right, what's up? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. We are back here in Nashville, Tennessee. We've been talking quite a bit about this UAW strike that's going on. Of course, I haven't been too happy with that. Charlie's not too happy with that. By the way, if you want to hear our daily thoughts on this, you can go to BernieLies.com. That'll bring up all the links to our podcast on all the different apps. Our website, GoodMorningLiberty.us. That's our daily podcast that we do. So you can check that and let's get back into this conversation. Charlie? Initial offers from the companies uh, fell far short of those figures. The UAW later lowered its demand to around 36%. In addition to general wage increases, the union is seeking restoration of cost of living pay raises and end to varying tiers of wages for factory jobs. A 32-hour week with 40 hours of pay. (laughs) The restoration of traditional defined benefit pensions for new hires who now receive only 401k-style retirement plans. Pension increases for retirees and other items. So they want a guaranteed retirement that's not exactly based on how much money they put in (laughs) like a 401k would be they just want to buy into this failing terrible listen a lot of people got pensions out there i got it but listen you're probably taking more back than you put in and you're helping bankrupt Mm. not only the company whatever state it is now that they're the ones that made these deals and everything but pensions are freaking terrible but that's what they want they don't want the 401ks because that's like so the company based off of the actual money the companies upped their wage offers, but he still called them inadequate. Ford offered 20% over four and a half years. GM was at 18 and a Stellantis was at 17 and a half percent. That's a Chrysler. I think the raises barely make up for what he described as minimal raises of the past in 2019, the 2019 agreement, the union got 6% pay raises over four years with lump sums in some years, as well as profit sharing checks. Top pay for assembly plant worker is now $32 per hour. 20% would be an extra. They'd be at $40 an hour. Mm. Yeah. More than what a nurse makes starting out. (laughs) So all three companies offers Mm. on cost of living adjustments were deficient. He said, providing little to no protection against inflation or annual lump sums that many workers won't get. And like you can see the, you know, we make these arguments that, Inflation hurts poor people and all it does is just make everything more expensive and everyone's like, well, uh, blah, blah, that's not true. You actually see it play out mm-hmm. in things like this. Cost of living. Right. You know, because, and they'll literally come out and say, it's like, oh, there's no protection against inflation. We need the cost of living raises to combat inflation. And now, because- otherwise we're getting poorer if we make the same amount of money and there's inflation because of the inflation, <laughs> uh, they're talking about a potential strike where they shut down auto production uh which would be really bad i don't know if you know anyone knows this that, that would be a pretty bad thing uh for a bit 
And that's, like you said, that's a symptom of the high inflation, which is a symptom of all the uh, printing of fake money and sending it out to people in the first place. And I wonder who was talking about that happening. And it is, you know, like from the you group know, I want, here, And I want to go back to the videos of all these people that like when we started talking about this, that would come out and just talk about modern monetary theory and how people who talk about spending government money it causes inflation are stupid There's and they don't profit over people and all that. You yeah. Know. And it was transitory. Like they said all of these incredibly, incredibly dumb and ignorant things. And here we are a couple years later and everyone's just like, forget, I want to take these people to task, mm-hmm. you know? They'll make up. They'll have a reason for why it's not. Of course they will. For why it's not that. Of course they will. They can't actually. They'll look. have someone else to blame. Yeah. There's no self-reflection whatsoever. And the thing is, unions, you know, kind of uh, what someone said in the group here and what we alluded to earlier, I see unions as monopolizing labor. Like they're creating a labor monopoly where, okay, if so, like if GM had a monopoly, the government would see that as a bad thing. You know, but if a union had all of the GM workers and they were dictating whatever they wanted from their side of the aisle and GM had no other option except for to use them. Well, that's also a monopoly. And why is that not a bad thing? I I don't know. I can't tell you except for they want to stay in office and they care about voters voting for them. And GM is just a few people who run the company. And then how and is that the not people in the union? I know uh, because then you got the union who pays uh, for all of this uh, for for their campaigns. So I don't. It's clearly a monopoly in my opinion, which is why we stuck it right after that monopoly piece. Mm-hmm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we're faced with a crossroads in life, and we don't really know which path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change, or feeling like your relationship needs a little love. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find a way forward. I've done therapy in the past and honestly it helped me quite a lot. Changed my life. Made me who I am today. And our co-host Charlie, he's still using BetterHelp to this day. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. One thing, I uh, will skip over that for a minute. This is a funny one. Speaking of things that we write about, Charlie. Oh. We got another story here from the New York Times about it's Russia. It's pretty much every day, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, this is like, it's like a white phone thing. And you know, we again, are you know? wrong. <clears throat> We admit it. I know, I know. But it doesn't happen very often. Russia overcomes sanctions to expand missile production. So we've talked a lot about how the sanctions didn't do anything. This is another time where it didn't do anything. Russia has managed to overcome sanctions and, ex- and export controls imposed by the West to expand its missile production beyond pre-war levels, uh, according to U.S., European, and Ukrainian officials, leaving Ukraine especially vulnerable. Uh, in addition to spending more than $40 billion providing weapons for Ukraine, the U.S. has made curbing Russia's military supply a key part of its strategy to support Kyiv. As a result of the sanctions, American officials estimate that Russia was forced to dramatically slow its, pro- slow its production of missiles and other weaponry for six months. But by the end of 2022, Moscow's military industrial manufacturing began to pick up speed. American officials who spoke on condition of an- anonymity 
to disclose the sensitive assessment now concede. Russia subverted American export controls using its intelligence services and Ministry of Defense to run illicit networks of people who smuggle key components by exporting them to other countries from which they can be shipped to Russia more easily. Hmm. So they just send them to another country that will then just send them to Russia and then these sanctions don't matter. In less than a year yeah. since the war began, Russia rebuilt trade in critical components by routing them through countries like Armenia and Turkey. Less than a year it took them to figure mm. out how to reroute. How about that? Uh, let me see if there's anything else important. Nope, nope, that's about it. Except for before the war, they were making 100 tanks a year. Now they're producing 200 tanks uh, per year. And that's after we try really hard to get them to uh, decrease all of their yeah. production. Gotta love those sanctions. It's awesome. Uh, one more. Did you see that video of Putin talking about um, the presidency? Uh-uh. I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh-uh. He basically said how the United States is making a fool of themselves in the whole world. And he was talking about democracy. He's like, mm-hmm. so you're going to preach democracy. And right now you're trying to arrest a former <laughs> president and a presidential candidate. Yeah. And you're going to preach democracy to the rest of the world. I mean, he's like, it's laughable. It is. He's, he's not wrong. Right. He's not wrong about that. I wouldn't say he's, um, you know, someone who practices whatever it is that he's preaching no, right I, now, but no. he is making the point that the America is clearly hypocritical. Well, yeah. He's calling him. Hip- mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, you're <laughs> hypocrites. Here's something interesting. Uh, that's not super political, except for it's going to involve the FDA and uh, some other stuff. Did you know that recently and r- finally the FDA announced that this, uh, decongestion medication have you ever taken like Sudafed stuff yeah. like that mm-hmm. well the medication in that or the active ingredient what was it called I've been scrolling through trying to figure out what the uh, the name of it is it starts with a D no starts with a P it's a P it's uh, not Sudafedrin it's um, uh, phenylephrine yeah phenylephrine um, doesn't work mm. they've actually been saying it didn't work now for like 20 years or so like 17 years or so. And they finally are saying, Oh yeah, the FDA finally said, no, no this doesn't work. Now I trying to remember is uh, phenylephrine, the one that they changed over because the, the real Sudafed, this is a replacement it, for pseudo. Yes. Yeah. They, because, because they put pseudo behind the counter because of meth. Yes. And we're so making meth with it. This is the replacement because of that, mm-hmm. that all these companies have come up with. And, uh, the long story short of this, we can go through. I find this really interesting. If you so sorry, pseudoephedrine. Yeah, it's actually called pseudoephedrine. <clears throat> is the real the real stuff that's behind the counter? You can only buy like one pack a month or something like that. So you've got pseudoephed PE, um, Dayquil, Tylenol, cold and flu, uh, Benadryl, allergy plus congestion. Uh, the author here says, unfortunately for you and me and everyone else in the country, the decongestant in all of these pills and syrups is entirely ineffective. The brand names might be different, but the active ingredient aimed at congestion is the same, phenylephrine. Roughly two decades ago, oral phenylephrine began proliferating, this is a tough one, proliferating on pharmacy shelves despite mounting and now damning evidence that the drug simply does not work. Quote, It's been an open secret among pharmacists, says Randy Hatton, 
a pharmacy professor at the University of Florida who filed a citizen petition in 2007 <laughs> and again in 2015 asking the FDA to reevaluate phenylephrine. This week, an advisory panel to the FDA voted 16 to nothing that the drug is ineffective orally, which could pave the way for the agency to finally pull the drug. <laughs> 16 to nothing. They're like, uh, yeah, clearly, yeah. obvious. It yeah. doesn't do anything. We mm. all know that. Mm. They're like, oh, we forgot to have the phenylephrine vote. I thought we did that 20 years ago. So just to clarify for everyone, because I don't want to throw any misinformation out. Orally is how they're saying it doesn't work. Mm. It gets broken down by your gut, never makes it to your nose. The stuff that has it for nasal spray and stuff, this drug does, when it's in your nasal passage, does work as a decongestant. But it's got to be a nasal spray, Mm. not not anything that you take orally. Like they literally have zero evidence. Over-the-counter oral decongestants weren't always this bad, but in the early 2000s, states began restricting access to pseudo, just going to call it pseudo, a different drug that actually is effective against congestion because it could be used to make meth. So the Combat Methamphetamine Epidemic Act, signed in 2006, took the restrictions national. You can still buy real-deal Sudafed containing pseudo, but you have to show an ID and sign a logbook. Meanwhile, manufacturers filled over-the-counter shelves with phenylephrine replacements, such as Sudafed PE. The PE is for phenylephrine. But you would be forgiven for not noticing the different name. The switch from pseudo to phenyl was a big mistake, says Ronald Eccles, who ran the Common Cold Unit. Uh, Let's see. Eccles was critical of the switch in 2006. The evidence he wrote at the time was already pointing to phenyl as a lousy oral drug. Anyway, they go through the story of these people who were trying to prove that this didn't work. They proved that it didn't work back in the mid-2000s. Basically, nothing ever happened. They just kept it on the shelves. And they don't allude to this, but I've got a theory. My theory is that all of these drug companies already made all of this medication with all of this stuff in it and sold it as decongestants. And they knew that the government was blocking pseudo from being out on the store shelves and they were putting it behind the counter. My, my theory is that they just let it slide because all of these drug companies wanted them to let it slide so they could keep selling this stuff. Of course. Now, they're not saying the drug is dangerous or anything like that. And some of these medications have other ingredients in them that do help with with uh, congestion. Uh, but the main ingredient that's supposed to do it, apparently, they find zero of it. Zero percent makes it one percent. Sorry. No reason to have hyperbole or anything like that. Exaggerate that. One percent actually can make it to your nasal passage. Yeah. The rest of it gets destroyed in your gut well thank god we have an agency like the fda to keep us all well informed yeah and so we can make better decisions actually like (laughs) i I think it's a couple things working together you get the the uh the meth law whichever one it was can't remember the name of it now uh the methamphetamine epidemic and so they come up with this drug that they can replace all the stuff that was on the shelves and then i think the companies and their friends at the fda were just like hey People are buying it. You know, people are congested. They're going to be, they're unhappy anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. It doesn't really matter. Uh, this stuff helps a little bit. Which and like, so they just kept it. I don't it. feel like we should pull it from the shelves. We're just like, people should be able to have the information, mm-hmm. you know, because like, look, if you want to take, you know, basically a sugar pill and then you feel better, well, who cares? I think it's awesome. Do it. Yeah. yeah. It I, works. <laughs> yeah. If I sell you some water, you know, and then 
but but the thing is you like i don't feel like you can lie to people if like if i sell you some water and i'm like this is going to heal you you know and there's no evidence that it does that whatsoever Mm -hmm. like that's that's what's wrong but if i sell you some water and you drink the water and you're like and you believe Mm -hmm. yourself through no coercion from me and then you want to keep buying that whatever it is sugar doesn't matter um, then I should be allowed to sell it to you. Now, what I want to know is these drug companies that make these products, they've probably known for a while that this stuff didn't actually work for congestion, right? Probably when they made it. The FDA has known for a while that it didn't actually work on congestion. For almost 20 years. What about all the people who have spent all this money? This $1.7 billion per year spent on these decongestant decongestant medications. That don't decongest. The FDA and the companies know that the main ingredient doesn't work. And so, who is anyone liable for anything here? That's not even discussed in this article. I, I saw the thing in the, in the, the group. group yeah. wants to know how effective is meth on congestion. And uh, the response is 100% better than Coke. Just, yeah, <laughs> just, in case, just so you know. That's not coming from me. I'm not recommending no, it's anything. It's in the live group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in the Fed Haters Club. Too bad I you, took that TTS thing off of there. You could join by going to joingml.com. <laughs> oh, important part before we part. Ways. Last paragraph. Important part before we part. Mm-hmm. Parting words. Restricting pseudo has not curbed the meth epidemic either. Meth-related overdoses are skyrocketing after Mexican drug rings perfected a newer, cheap way to make methamphetamine without using pseudofedrin at all. <laughs> this actually effective drug still remains behind the counter while ineffective ones fill the shelves. Now, there's a couple things there, okay? <laughs> one, the first one that's obvious is that, well, the the fact that the law didn't work, that's pretty obvious. And then they're keeping it behind the counter still. You have to show your ID Mm. which I've done before um, because I know I knew the difference luckily. Um, And, but the, the funniest part about this is, is that by the United States making this law, it forced the drug cartels to more quickly pivot to, and gave them the incentive Mm -hmm. to find a cheaper, more effective way to create meth. Which made meth more prevalent and easier to get for everyone. Yeah, and skyrocketing. <laughs> tight, Not to tight, mention, tight, tight. It's blue. <laughs> Not to mention all the Adderall that people take, which is basically uh, legal meth. It's methamphetamine, salt. It's yeah. People are getting addicted. I think that's honestly the real the next like as opiates is kind of I mean still increasing with fentanyl and stuff like that, but I think the next one is like going to be meth Mm -hmm. and it's because people you know they get prescribed adderall and i'm not saying people don't have add or adhd or whatever or narcolepsy or narcolepsy or anything like that and people don't need something a type of medication but the problem with a medication like adderall is it becomes addictive yeah yeah extremely addictive right and now like you can't function without it because especially as you keep increasing doses because people get that little dopamine hit and it's like, that's what you get addicted to. Yeah, but extended release stuff, you don't have that problem. That's not, that's you get the XR. True. You get the meth XR. Same thing. It's not thing. that bad, you know. Yeah. All right, we got to go. Yeah, it is an amphetamine salt, yes. But it's literally 
So it's, it's legal meth. I did forget to take mine yesterday. That's how addictive it is. I don't take uh, Adderall, though. Yeah. I take pre, pre-meth. Pre-meth. My body has to make its own meth, okay? I, and look, I'm not saying people don't need it. I'm just saying that it's the next, it's going to be the next. Now, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. Is it as addictive as opiates are? I don't, you know, I don't know about that, but I don't know. I've, there's a lot of people who struggle. It's very common. It's a common mm-hmm. thing with, with those medications. And so y'all got to be careful out there. Even if the FDA approves it, you do. You I'm about be- to go full anti-pharmaceutical products. Honestly, I, that's me. This I, whole system is so freaking rigged and corrupt that I don't trust the single thing that any of them are doing. I hardly ever I really don't take medication because I'm like, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be dependent on anything at all. I mean, you were nice enough when I was struggling, if, you know, a while ago, like, hey, mm-hmm. if you can't sleep at night, you know, like, I can help you sleep. And uh, I was offering was, you drugs, not, you know. Yeah, which was kind. I wasn't trying to cuddle with you. Which or was kind, but yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be dependent on medication. So, like, I can't sleep without it. So, it's like, no, I'm just going to kind of suffer through this moment in time for a little while. And then eventually I'll be able to sleep again. But I'm, I'm off of Ambien and Lunesta. Are you? I haven't taken it in months. So oh. I, I take a, a, um, a melatonin pill now and I've been on Ambien and Lunesta for like four or five years now. How do you feel? I sleep, sleep fine. I think my brain's a little bit clearer actually because those drugs cause, um, memory problems can cause memory loss if you take them long term. And so I wanted to stop taking them. Can't quite remember when I stopped. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. You can do it. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox about that kind of stuff. Um, no, but if you're taking this stuff, there's a drug you can buy at Walmart drug. It's a pill. It's called Sleep 3. And it's a time-released melatonin slash calming, you know, like L-theanine and all, all this kind of stuff. Um, Which I melatonin is a natural. Yeah. I could never just take melatonin. I'd be too drowsy. It was terrible. All right. They should be paying me for this. But listen, I took Ambien and Lunesta for years, had terrible problems sleeping. And our friend John, who also had taken Lunesta, told me about Sleep 3, uh, which was like 10 bucks for a month's supply at Walmart. Took it. Like, literally, I just stopped. No Lunesta, Sleep 3, sleeping fine. No drowsiness, nothing. I love that. I've never had that happen before. It's, yeah. it's nuts. So if you're taking this and you want to be done with some of those pills, I would suggest trying it. And I'm not like, obviously this is not medical advice. I'm not a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. I just want people to, you know, be aware that even if your doctor or the FDA or whoever says that it's totally fine, it could end up not being totally fine. The thing is, and you just have to be aware of that. What we need is a free market in this scenario, because what I just, it bothers me what I just said earlier about how I don't trust the whole system I don't want to take any of these companies' products because I don't trust anything any of them are saying. And that's because they're not bound by any code of free market ethics, which means they could have some kind of competitors come in and do something better or even getting in trouble if their product is doing a bad job. Or all these companies who knew that this this uh, decongestant didn't work, who's been selling it to people, knowing for 20 years that it didn't work, and the FDA known for 20 years allowing it, What's going to happen from that? Mm. All the billions of Americans dollars that have gone into these products over this time. 
Nothing. Somebody in the live group mentioned that sleeping pills almost killed Eminem in his career. Look at Michael Jackson. The dude yeah. was being put to sleep by a medical doctor, a yeah. doctor who was giving him propofol, which basically is that's that's what you get when you go under anesthesia, mm-hmm. by the way, among other things. But propofol. Yeah, you're on a propofol drip typically, which puts you to sleep. Um, so anyway, a medical doctor was actually, so pumping him full of propofol and other things to help him sleep, then Adderall and other things to help him wake up. And it was just like that. He couldn't function without a medical doctor administering medication to allow his body to function. And then it killed him. That's basically like worst case scenario. It killed but you him. don't, you don't want to get all the way to there. Right. It's bad. Your nose falls off. There's like terrible things. Yeah. Your skin happen. goes from black to white. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, crazy. Well. You don't want to do that. You lose. So, yep. so many victimhood statuses. All right. Anyway, coming up, we're going to talk about some of the dumbest tweets and political statements from last week. The live group is hanging out with us. We're going to count through them, have them vote on what the uh, dumbest thing is. We do that every Friday on Good Morning Liberty called Dumb Leap of the Week. Right now, this is Liberty and Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network from Nashville, Tennessee. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. Coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to go through some of the dumbest tweets from last week, as we do every Friday on Dumb Bleep of the Week. On our show, Good Morning Liberty, which you can find every day of the week on your favorite podcast app. Or by going to BernieLies.com. We, we were just on the live group, the Fed Haters Club, that we went and saw Anthony Jeselnik last night at the Ryman. It was really good. If you like that kind of thing, warning, it's a joke. They okay. get so it's nervous about joke. other people. I was uncomfortable. He was nervous about the people in there that bought tickets to go see him. But you know that some guy brought his girlfriend <laughs> or his wife or whatever who <laughs> showed her the funniest, most PC joke that he had. And was like, oh, hey, let's go see this guy. There was. We walked in with a couple and she was pregnant, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't sit very far from us. And there was a lot of. The first 20 minutes were jokes about how much he hated pregnant women. And kids. And kids. (laughs) I felt uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I did. I laughed even more knowing they were sitting like a few rows in front of us to the right. But whatever. It was so good. Okay. Well, uh, this is Friday. And we do dumb bleep. Of also, the we week. weren't allowed. There's no clips or anything. We weren't allowed yeah. to have our phones out. Yeah. We weren't allowed to even no. take a picture. You weren't even allowed to have your phone out. Can't. They said that if they saw your phone light up, even if it was innocent, like you dropped it on accident or something, they would eject you. Whew. And there's no refunds. Good thing I never dropped mine. Yeah. So Nate and I basically had to sit on our phones all night. So yeah, not even the live group gets a preview. I, of, there's of, no way that I'm currently editing a recording of the entire show yeah it's, it wasn't possible I'm not, I'm not doing that because they said you couldn't do it right all right well there were signs there were signs that said it yeah mm-hmm. uh anyway this is dumb bleep of the week where we talk about the dumbest things that happened over the last week the live group threw in submissions we threw in submissions people on twitter or X throw in submissions. So go follow us there and you can also throw them in that way. You can join the live group by going to joingml.com and be a member of the Fed Haters Club. Those are the people that get to vote for which one of these is the dumbest and push it forward to Dumb Leap of 
the year. The winner gets a trophy. All right. Everyone knows the rules. It is now time to commence the dumb. As <laughs> usual. What? So proper. As usual. Now that uh, everyone knows the rules. We start we off. Will commence. <laughs> we start off with, like kind of less dumb, like easier. You know, mm. we want to ease you in mm. to the dumb. And like a libertarian in boiling water, you guys know how the analogy goes. Um, eventually, you're going to die. <laughs> this is an article from the editorial board in the Washington Post. I don't know if everyone knows this, but McCarthy, uh, Kevin McCarthy, I always want to call him Mike McCarthy, but that's on the weekends. Um, Kevin McCarthy has announced the official impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. All right. This means they get to use all of their investigatory powers and subpoena people and get them under oath and get all these testimonies. And then they're going to vote. Maybe the House is going to vote to impeach and then the Senate's not. And then that's going to be what we do next year while there's also a, a trial and a trial and a trial and a trial going on for Donald Trump. And what we're going to do for every president from here on out. And that is what this article is about. It's just kind of funny how they word it. Uh, the the title is McCarthy's impeachment inquiry will go nowhere, but it's still a crisis. Speaker Kevin McCarthy might believe it's harmless to formally launch an impeachment inquiry, and the President Biden throwing chum to his right flank makes it easier for him to hold the speakership. So this is you know he's worried about people kicking him out. If the House ultimately votes to impeach the president. McCarthy also knows Democratic-controlled Senate would never muster the two-thirds threshold necessary to oust Mr. Biden from the office. But the inquiry Mr. McCarthy announced this week is not costless. He's helping to create a new norm of tit-for-tat retaliation in which every president could face impeachment whenever the opposing party controls the House. He started it. In doing so, he's cheapening a vital constitutional remedy. That should be reserved for severe abuses of power and wasting precious legislative time. Yeah, like an event like Jan 6. Uh, They do point out, however, that the Democrats are not blameless. Some on the far left tried to impeach George W. Bush on unreasonable grounds. Some Democrats also wanted to impeach Donald Trump practically from day one of his term. Yet Pelosi held them back until firm evidence emerged in 2019, showing that Trump tried to shake down the Ukrainian President Zelensky by holding up military assistance to get Ukrainian government to announce an investigation into the Biden family. Mr. Trump's incitement of the January 6th insurrection also clearly passed the threshold for impeachment and conviction. So they were right. Mm-hmm. Yours is Your inquiry is wrong. Those had actual principle behind them. This is just a political move. It has nothing to do with all of this uh, evidence that we have that there's some kind of Biden family corruption and Hunter getting paid all this money and 10% for the big guy, all that stuff. That's just, that doesn't matter. What, what matters is that Trump tried to withhold giving our money to Ukraine so they would investigate what was going on with the Bidens. Okay. What, another thing that didn't matter was that Biden withheld money from Ukraine so, to get a so they would fired. fire a prosecutor. <laughs> but that guy was corrupt, you see? <laughs> and so they were trying to fire this corrupt prosecutor. As long as you're doing the right thing. Yeah. I don't know. Then it passes muster. And Biden's not corrupt. Therefore, yeah. mm-hmm. trying to investigate what the Bidens were doing, well, it's not, it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's a purely 
political impeachment. And then, of course, there's the incitement of January 6th clearly passes the threshold, even though he's been charged with 91 crimes and none of them are incitement because he clearly didn't incite January 6th legally anyway. Yeah, but that well, was at least enough for an you impeachment. When tweet out, stay peaceful, go home, it's mm-hmm. the same thing yeah. as stay and fight. Peacefully and patriotically go down there. That's yeah. like go into the Capitol and mm-hmm. throw and flag sticks. Take a dump on someone's desk. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially the same De- thing. Deborah's desk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Gaslighting, like yes, Tasco Warlock. That was right. A little bit of gaslighting right now. Like I said, we're going to start you off easy today because we're nice. We're nice guys. <laughs> Another easy one. Like we, already talked, we already talked. about I forgot about that song, I have to listen to that. <laughs> and we already talked Talk about this on Monday, I believe. Biden in saying, "Never forget, never forget." Never forget. And then he said something that he forgot, apparently, <laughs> uh, which is that he was not actually at ground zero on 9-11. But here's Biden saying that. To renew our sacred vow, never forget. Never forget. Oh, what a, we never forget. Crap, what did I? Each of us, each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground zero in New York. And I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could away from where you could stand. All right. From where you could stand from the because the way the from where you could where you could stand was in front of a TV in a different city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> oh, never forget. We uh, won't forget. He wasn't there. Now, we'll slow it down just a little bit. This is Donald Trump's interview with Megyn Kelly, a specific clip that's been going around on the Internet. You know, Trump was president when COVID started. Mm. You remember that? He absolutely was. And uh, Fauci was up there with him like like every day. They were mm-hmm. up there talking about stuff, telling people what to do, what not to do. Bleach, no bleach, whichever one. This guy didn't care. <laughs> All right. Sunlight. And so in this interview, Megyn Kelly, who's a great interviewer has a great podcast also mm-hmm. i do listen to it sometimes yep um she She's, was like hey you you gave you gave a presidential commendation to fauci a lot of people hate fauci and trump for uh i don't know honestly one of the first times i've seen him do it just kind of denied all responsibility <laughs> and um was like that, I don't, that doesn't sound like trump. i don't know i don't what do you mean gave him president i didn't do someone did I, I wasn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time that you would have taken heat that it would have created a firestorm quoting your words then for the first time well, in May I well, also said I didn't listen to him too much I'm yet. getting there but then in, in May you started saying well he's a civil servant so I yeah. couldn't technically the truth is though not only did you not fire Fauci who is loathed by many many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular but also some Democrats by the way you yeah. made him a star you made him a star this is the criticism of you that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task you think so? that he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Presidential I commendation. One went out Mark Somebody <laughs> It's a presidential commendation. <laughs> well, I don't know who gave it to we'll him. Check and see who the president is. Now, I know what he's saying. Do you think the president actually sits down at the desk and says like, oh, here's 
a list of Here's people coin. I want to give a commendation to this specific list of people. No, probably not. You, you know, and he was on a list of a bunch of people, but you think the staff member probably gave a list. Yeah. He's like, he's signed off on it without reading through it. But I mean, he clearly knew Fauci was on that list. Um, the, uh, the context here that's been added from community notes is Trump is being disingenuous on his last day in office. Trump awarded a presidential commendation to Fauci in recognition of his exceptional efforts on operation warp speed. And so this is something that's been tricky for Trump because he is or was proud of Operation Warp Speed, where they got the va- the vaccine out quickly. You know, they got they got that done really fast. And so he was kind of bragging about it. But then it turns out the people on the right didn't like the vaccine quite as much. And so that was difficult. And now, so he's, now he's in a kerfuffle. It's, it's a classic kerfuffle uh-huh. that he's in right now. If he if he doesn't go i was wondering the other day if the people on in the maga crowd are going to be like you know if Fauci wasn't that bad he wasn't that bad okay he helped trump out yeah. a lot you know he he did what trump told you know him what to, he okay. could have done to win this he could have replied back to kelly and said yeah i should have done that he's a liar yeah and i wish I, yeah i wish i could go back and not give it to him he lied to me why not he lied just to say the that? american people why not just say that you could literally place all the blame yeah. on him take some responsibility and be like yeah i shouldn't have done that I wish I could take it back. He's a liar. Easy. You know, that could have been, but instead yeah. Trump as any narcissist can't take any responsibility for what? any, nothing would could ever be his fault. You got to do that. You know, he could have said, you know, when I was in the office, I was running things. I had control over it. I wasn't listening to what Fauci was doing, but when, when Biden took office, Fauci was running the show and it turns out, you know, Fauci just wanted to do a bunch of bad things. And, and it's a good thing I was in there to hold him back the whole time. You know, he could have easily turned this into something, but it got worse when I left. I didn't, I didn't give him accommodation. What are are you talking about? Come on, just take responsibility, man. Mm -hmm. Can't No, Trump will never take responsibility. (sighs) Well, that's, uh, that's anybody that loves him. Look, whatever. He is definitely a narcissist. Yeah, for sure. You know, he was great on The Apprentice. Yeah. yeah, he's not the worst president I've ever seen. No, some of his policies were great. But if you're expecting Trump to take any sort of responsibility, it's not going to happen. OK, Charlie, you being a parent. And as the live group points out, ego. Yeah, too much ego. That's I mean, we talk about this all the time. People in government can't admit that they're wrong. Yeah, he it, did the bump stock ban. Like, mm-hmm. He did some terrible things. He did. Did some good things. Did some terrible things. This is why we follow principle. And not people. I think he went a little overboard with the election stuff, honestly. He should have eventually uh, acknowledged that, like, okay, Biden won the election, but can we just admit mail-in ballots creates some difficulty here? Mm -hmm. All right, and maybe we should should talk about this in the future. And to Bailey's point, he didn't even build the wall, which was his number one campaign promise. And then what they did build, Mexico didn't pay for it. Mm. So, Mm. man... Don't I don't know, man. That. I don't know if I'm going to vote for him after that. <laughs> Charlie, as a parent, mm. how does this uh, next headline make you feel? It's a privilege, not a right, to know your kid's gender identity. 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 Like, I, heard, of, I heard that trail off. Out. I heard the trail off. Yeah. Um, it's so, a hard truth that some kids live with parents who are transphobic. No province should forcibly out gender non-conforming kids to these parents. So 
if it's not your right what was that slippery slope we talked about a couple years ago and yeah i don't know you know have we ever mentioned the slippery slope so weird that it all starts to come to fruition right in front of your eyes it is really like when you talked about it a couple years ago everyone thought you were crazy you Mm -hmm. know it's weird they make you feel like they gaslight Mm -hmm. you into feel like feeling like you're crazy Mm -hmm. but then it it comes true well (laughs) comes true i mean what are you talking about these people are right (laughs) i don't know what you mean yeah we don't like kids being Mm -hmm. being happy so i will tell you this one's a difficult one to go over because the headline was written by someone who didn't write the article i will tell you that right now which happens very often uh, but the headline doesn't really match the article. The The title being it's a privilege, not a right to know your kid's gender identity. That subject is not even approached in the article itself. Like they just wrote it for the headline because they were like, ooh, I bet if I do this, I can get on dumb bleep of the week from Good Morning Liberty. <laughs> like that's what the editor was thinking. You know, exactly. So like it also go, says province. So this seems to be Canada. I think it must be. Plus, it yeah. looks like a dumb canadian type logo up there i don't know <laughs> and like the article just talks about how th- this is a parent of a transgender kid and they're loving and accepting and you know their kid's 11 and and all that and that's that's really it and the i guess the bottom line you're supposed to take away is if you're not loving and accepting of whatever your kid wants to do or be then you don't have a right to decide this and in fact you don't have a right to even know what's going on in their life if you're someone who would not be accepting of what's going on in their life. And if it's a privilege and not a right, that means someone else has that right over your kid that they could bestow upon you. And who are they saying has that right? Probably the state, the school, the state, the government, whoever else, not you. They Mm -hmm. all get to decide whether or not you have that right. If you don't affirm your child, Kids can't go on a field trip for school without the parents' signature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But don't worry, we can chop your penis off, Zach, without parents' consent. In fact, your parents don't even have a right to know whether or not you want to penis. Can't even crack open a can of alcohol, you know? Yeah. Unless it's Bud Light, I guess. <laughs> can't drive? No. Can't vote? Can't have sex? <laughs> can't. Yeah. But you can change your sex if you want to. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. can't buy scratch tickets. What else can't they do? Live group, Fed Haters Club. Okay, uh, I know it seems like we're moving really quickly, but well, we're actually, about go to back get... because we need to read a little bit of that. Because okay, go ahead. The whole thing's dumb. But my son Zach is transgender. He told us nonchalantly at bedtime three years ago because he's only eleven. So far, his transition has been strictly social. New pronouns, new clothes, new haircut, new name. With few exceptions, it's been as nothing burger as it sounds. Yeah, it's just, that's nothing. No. That's a nothing. Big, basically nothing. nothing burger sandwich. Well, if it's nothing, then why do it? Exactly. By the time he has his first appointment at the Sick Kids Gender Clinic, just the name alone, Sick Kids Gender Clinic, in August of 2024, he'll be 12 and a half. Are they making kids sick? Yeah. It'll be 12 and a half and we'll have been on the wait list for 18 months. If four years into his transition, he chooses gender affirming medication. It will not be an impulsive decision. By the way, it's the opposite of gender affirming because like, <laughs> to affirm his gender would be to affirm the fact that he's male. Mm-hmm. 
not, it's literally not, it's gender changing magic medication. Yeah. It's literally, they're denying. giving you gender hormones <laughs> to change your gender. Which is gender affirming. <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah. And then here we go. She describes herself as an urban, liberal, agnostic Canadian with purple hair. The hardest part of parenting a trans kid has been watching the anti-trans ground swell, particularly in the UK and the US. As of this month, 22 US states have enacted laws or policies banning gender affirming care for youth up to age 18, despite evidence that this care does more good than harm. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does not. The evidence that these people use is complete garbage. And in fact, there's more evidence coming out that it does way more harm than good. Yeah. As you look further out into the future, all the studies they cite only followed a kid for 12 months. Exactly. During the transition. Of course, when you're telling them they're right and they're getting all this attention. Yeah. You know, but then when all that fades away, like they don't want to give addicts heroin, despite evidence that the addicts are much happier after they get the heroin. How long did you follow them? About 20 minutes. Yeah. So happy before they were screaming and shaking, you know, and they said they wanted to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. And then we gave him a little heroin and look, he's asleep on the floor. Clear evidence. (laughs) It does more good than his Tempur-Pedic pillar. (laughs) I gave him, you know, very comfortable. Now we're going to get in the weeds on some topics here. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. Ba- Bailey's asking if there's a Swedish study. They followed trans kids for decades and most still want to kill themselves or do end up killing themselves. I don't remember if that's a Swedish study, but there are, I have read those studies. There's also um, several other examples of what you're talking about there. Um, when they first started doing sex changes back in like the sixties and seventies, followed these kids uh, for a long time. And, uh, yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. And these people still, they do have an identity crisis, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this. The reason why we say good morning, Liberty life, Liberty and the pursuit of meaning is because if you don't have a purpose or meaning in your life, then you do have an identity crisis. Mm. Okay. Now that could take shape in the form of gender or whatever depressed, but you feel lost, right? And, Ultimately, as a Christian, I think it's because a lack of direction of morals from, let's say, God, or even if you want to take religion out of it, a higher power, some type of higher aim. Okay, so there's no doubt that these kids feel lost. I I can validate those feelings, but it doesn't mean that we're going to fix them by changing their, because that's not what the actual problem is. So there's it's not a symptom. Any, there's not any other problems that you go to a psychiatrist for or whoever, like you go there with all these problems and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You should just go full on into those problems. Just accept it. Like there's nothing you go to and there's something wrong. And they're like, nothing wrong. Let's just go full on into it, man. Let's just, just double, triple down on that. Yeah. Cut it, off, cut it off. Who cares? Right. You know, that's what's wrong. Yeah. No one does that for anything. You'll never have kids, by the way, the rest of your life. Yeah. But you should be able to make the decision whether or not you want to be infertile when you're 12. It's disgusting. And I do agree. Yeah, Bailey, it, it is demonic. In mm-hmm. my opinion, it's absolutely, completely, 100% pure, malevolent evil. And it's child abuse. Yes, also. absolutely. All right, we're about to talk about Bidenomics, a little bit on this UAW strike and the fuzzy, fuzzy, Bernie BS math. 
going on behind that. Once again, find Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app, a new episode every single day of the week. This is Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network. Well, what's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? We're back here. Another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. We're coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. Big thanks to the guys over at Free Talk Live for having us on Tuesday nights. We've been going through some of the dumbest tweets from last week, like we do every Friday on an episode called Dumb Bleep of the Week on our podcast, Good Morning Liberty. So if you like what you're hearing from Charlie and I, then you can actually find us every day of the week goodmorningliberty.us, com, or just search Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app. All right, we talked about some of the cultural issues. Uh, we talked about stuff with Biden already. We're going to talk some more Bidenomics. They're calling something Maganomics now. It's uh, pretty interesting. I don't think it's going to work. People know that we are in a much worse economy than we otherwise could have been. Let's see. Let's talk about kids again here for a second because people have been really upset this week about the child, the expanded child tax credit expiring. And since this expired because of the evil, hateful, child-hating Republicans, uh, since this happened, child poverty has more than doubled year over year because used to they were getting money from the government or the parents were getting money from the government per child and now they're not getting that extra money per child anymore. And so now all these kids are now living in poverty. You can see like this post from Robert Reich is a good example. The expanded child tax credit cut child poverty by nearly half. Cinema, Mansion, and the GOP let it expire, and child poverty spiked. In the richest country in the world, it is inexcusable that millions of our children are living in poverty. This is a policy choice. And this is on a this is on a post that showed the graph and showed childhood poverty spiking year over year. And I just wanted to make the point that this was a fake decrease in child poverty because we were taking money from the parents and then giving it back to them and calling it less poverty afterwards. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah. a, that's the way that we fix the poverty. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people fall for this. But I don't know if these people remember, but I remember uh, inflation has been something we've been dealing with. Over the last few years. Well, that's just greed. Yeah, just greed. Here's how much inflation is costing Americans each month. This is in 2022. Now, the child tax credit was, I believe it was $300 uh, per child, I believe. Uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Well, is, there were, was it more than that? There were a couple different ones. I think the first one, you got like an extra $1,000 when everybody got their they're twelve hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then the next one was five hundred. Bailey said it depended on how old they were. And, and then there was a cap on it also. I don't remember the, what the cap was exactly, but something like that. Well, in twenty twenty two they said inflation was costing the typical US household an additional three hundred dollars per month. And it shows little sign of slowing anytime soon. 
And then we get another one here. Inflation means family. This is more recent. Families are spending $709 more per month than two years ago. Okay. That was a mortgage like 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's just inflation. Yeah. And so what happened here was they printed a bunch of money or they borrowed a bunch of money. They gave it to a bunch of people. We got our STEMI checks and then we got the expanded child tax credit. And while that made people feel good because they were getting this money, what then happened was a bunch of inflation in the economy that is now sucking back out of the economy exactly the extra money that was put into it because that's how economics works. And then some. Yes. And just a little bit more because the government's taken their cut along the way mm-hmm. also. So the the moral of the story is and you print this fake money, you put it in the economy, it just it still gets taken back it, out. It goes inflation. back to the old adage of if, if it sounds too good to be true. It probably is. So I don't th- think socialists believe that. It's it's like if you could just give people money and it solves all the problems, that sounds too good to be true. This is what people believe. Now, this is a comment that I made on AOC's post. They were talking. She said every time a government shutdown in the last 30 years occurred was when Republicans had control of the House. And I said, oh, I should start voting Republican. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. She said the last time it happened. It drove people to food pantries and forced. Now, this AOC says this is very important for everyone. AOC is very worried about this amount of money. It drove people to food pantries and forced an $8 billion hit to the economy. This shutdown, an $8 billion hit to the economy. And I said, you mean 11 hours of government expenses? (laughs) And this person responded with, Except this was out of citizens' paychecks and not out of government funds. So, yeah, it was a big deal. So this person's response to me saying how much money the government spent was that, no, no, this $8 billion she's talking about, that came from people's paychecks, not from government expenses. Government fund. Where does the government get their funds? I don't know. I asked the person and they haven't responded. Oh, Dusty. Gosh. Dusty, Dusty. Hmm. That was dumb. Dumb around. That was actually really dumb. Child tax credits. You know, and maybe he's ignorant. I don't know. He's just Mm -hmm. ignorant. We're going to get this. uh, We're going to keep economics going here for a bit. Uh, This was a late entry today, I believe, from Costco, potentially. Maganomics? What is maganomics? Maganomics? This this post from the White House. (laughs) Is a noun. Let's talk about it. Different from Bidenomics. This Mm -hmm. is maganomics. This is much worse. Maganomics? It's a noun. Is an economic plan that does three things. God, this is going to be ridiculous. Cut taxes, cuts taxes even more for the wealthy and big corporations. Cuts Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Raises costs for families by gutting investments in the middle class. It's more extreme than anything America has ever seen before. <laughs> Broad view, real quick. I want to talk about the fact that the White House, they've been doing this a lot. They they put out a word and then they define it like it's in a dictionary. And I know it's cute and all that. Maybe, maybe it's cute. Or maybe we're seeing the state literally create its own definitions for words. Propaganda. And, and put them out there as the real definition it's literal for words. propaganda. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of ironic that that's what we're starting to see. But anyway, um, let's see. Tax cuts, okay, cool. For the rich. Cutting Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, all right, cool. But then it's going to raise costs for families by gutting investments in the middle class. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
I got a thing here saying that families are spending over 700 bucks more per month because of inflation. Okay. But you know, what's going to cost families money is if we don't tax the families and then the government decides where to invest it and give it back to families after they take a cut. That's what's really going to hurt families a lot. Yeah. All right. So this, well, but you know, the, the tax cuts to the wealthy, that's what partially causes inflation. Of course. Yeah. We're going to continue. Because they were saving money on their taxes now, these big mm-hmm. corporations, they decided to raise their prices. That's how, that's economics, folks. <laughs> Supply and tax cuts. God. Uh, another post here from the White House. We're still it's on. Even, it's hard to even talk to these people. You know? I know. Because you know, like, they, when they talk to you, they're like, oh, you don't even have a degree, you know, whatever. and you're like, well, you haven't even read an economics book. No. You know? And it's difficult to even have a conversation when, when they're not even they're not even aware of what economics actually is. I have a hard time talking with anyone who hasn't read basic economics 12 times. Like I have. <laughs> so the show every day Kidding. is very difficult for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the white house also posted there, are, there are about a thousand billionaires in America on average. They pay 8% in federal income taxes on a yearly basis. That's a lower rate than teachers and firefighters. And that's why President Biden continues to call for a 25% minimum tax on billionaires. Okay, so there's a problem here. The problem is they are talking about 8% in federal income taxes on a yearly basis. Income. Mm. Income. Income Income taxes. Uh, A 25% minimum tax, 25% minimum tax. How are they going to do that? Wealth. They're going to tax wealth Mm -hmm. is what they're going to do. Or un, even unearned wealth. Because uh, almost all of these billionaires... Unrealized, sorry. Almost all these billionaires have their money in investments. Mm. Whether that's the stock market, real estate, whatever the case may be. In their companies. That's the only reason why they're worth. They don't have a billion dollars in a mm. bank account. Yeah. They don't know what... Their company isn't paying them a billion dollars in income that that gets direct deposited into their bank account. It's not how it works. Yeah, it's, even it's the not. CEOs of these corporations, like uh, GM, I uh, believe twenty nine million dollars is the salary for uh, their GM. They don't cut her a twenty nine million dollar check. That's almost all. It's just the value of stock options that they that they gave her, and it doesn't even mean that she cashed them out. It just means that that's what they're counting as the value right now. I don't think Jeff Bezos ever raised his $75,000 a year salary that he made as CEO of Amazon. His income from Amazon was like 75 grand a year. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we're faced with a crossroads in life and we don't really know which path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change or feeling like your relationship needs a little love. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find the way forward. I've done therapy in the past, and honestly, it helped me quite a lot. Changed my life. Made me who I am today. And our co-host, Charlie, he's still using BetterHelp to this day. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. And like what someone just said in the group here, the government will force you to sell off 25% of your wealth each year. 
You know what kicked off the, and this is not the reason, but it's so weird. Elon Musk timed that big stock market drop almost perfectly that we had uh, last year. Because the top of that is where he sold his stocks to pay his taxes mm-hmm. and to, to do some other stuff. Um, but that's where it really, and if we knew that all of these corporations that the owners had to pay a 25% tax at the end of the year, it would destroy the stock market because you'd know the only thing they can do to pay it is sell stock. And I get that maybe you're hurting those people, but what about all the other millions of people that have their retirements invested in those companies? What about the pensions who guarantee fake money to their, to the people that that are members that get those pensions in life that have to get eight, 10% returns to get this money back? That's going to hurt them as well and hurt all the pension system and all that. Look at this uh, stat here. Half of taxpayers pay 97% of federal income taxes. Uh, you look at the top 1% share of total income taxes paid is uh, 40.1% of total income taxes are paid by people in the top 1%. Uh, they get 20.9% share of the total gross income and they pay 40.1% of the share of the total taxes. Mm. So there you go. Uh, one more thing. The top 5% pay 60% in taxes. Biden's over here acting like we got a like we got a tax problem. We got to have a 25% minimum tax on billionaires. We'll kick it back to last week where we told everyone that we are currently at at all-time highs essentially for the amount of taxes that the government is taking from the economy. We're currently at 19.2% of our GDP gets taken back out of the economy in taxes which has only been beaten two other times in history in the year 2001 and in the year 1944, I believe was the high, maybe 46. I can't remember what the number was. Other than that, we are currently getting more in taxes out of our economy than we have ever gotten other than those couple of years. Okay. I think it was four years total that have been over the 19% threshold. We don't have a tax problem right now. We're getting all these taxes. It's Bi- a spending problem, in case yes. you didn't get what Nate was implying there. Biden Maganomics. Oh, gosh. Okay, this one. This is a, this is a fresh seven. one. Fresh one right here. Uh, Justin Trudeau is concerned, like what we've been talking about. People are very concerned about prices. The families are having a hard time. Mm. Okay? It's not the government's fault. They're trying to help, but they can't get any corporations to go along with them, of course. And so Justin Trudeau wants to fix the uh, food pricing problem, and he's got an idea. It's not okay that our biggest grocery stores are making record profits while Canadians are struggling to put food on the table. So Minister Champagne will be calling on the heads of large grocers to come to Ottawa with a plan to address the rising cost of food. And we expect to hear from them by Thanksgiving on what their plan is to stabilize prices. And it- by Thanksgiving. First off, before we get to some of the, the dumber part, he's, he's like, I don't We want to hear the grocery store's plan on how they are going to stabilize food prices. It's their fault. It's their fault. Okay. Not ours. And let me be very clear. If when someone says very clear, they're not going to, they're about to lie to you. Well, I hate right that the rest of it was all muddled. 
You know, yeah. now we can finally. Mm-hmm. Now it's clear. Clear. Yeah. <laughs> clear. I can see clearly now the if rain is gone. Plan- <laughs> you know, we'll get us very clear. And let me be very clear. If their plan doesn't provide real relief for the middle class and people working hard to join it, then we will take further action and we are not ruling anything out, including tax measures. Is that a threat? No. Is that a threat? I think it is a threat. (laughs) But I just want to let me be clear with everyone. Food prices are too high. Okay? And if the grocery stores don't lower their prices... Trudeau is going to start taxing the grocery stores. Boom. Prices down. <laughs> now, that's how we're going to fix food prices. Yep. Got it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the grocery stores are just going to pay that tax. They're just going to pay it. Out of the goodness of their own pockets. Out of their record profits. So they're not going to increase any of their prices at all. But the tax they take, I bet they're going to give some of it back to people to pay for food. And see, this is what they'll do. They'll put a tax on the grocery store. The grocery store is going to raise their prices uh, equal with the tax that they get charged. And then the government is going to take half of it and give it back to families to pay for food. And they're going to burn the other half, pocket some of it, give it to some of their other friends and donors and stuff like that. And families are going to get half of it. And then they're not going to have enough money to pay for what the increase in the food prices was because of the food tax. But they'll be all excited to get that government yeah. check, to get that grocery stimmy. When you hear these <laughs> the grocery stimmy, when you uh, when you hear people start talking about the record profits, I get it. They're making profits. And what they what they would disagree with us on, Charlie, is what we said is they're going to tax the grocery stores. The grocery stores are just going to raise their prices. People think that when you tax them, it's going to come out of the profits that they're making right now and that nothing's going to happen with the prices that they're charging. But what happens in a market is that they raise the prices. Also, let me ask the question, though. Why are grocery stores making record profit? Does anybody ask the question why? I don't know if Do they're you think talking. It's because the governments around the world shut down restaurants and you weren't allowed to go out to eat? Now, restaurants are having a hard time still. So... <laughs> What was it like? I think like 25% of restaurants in the United States literally closed their doors forever. Yeah. Because of that. Now, if you can't go out to eat and have someone cook for you, but you still need to eat, where is that money going to go instead of the restaurant? Yeah, but that, it's obviously going to go to the grocery store. But the grocery store is just price gouging. Of course. Yep. And so what you inevitably get. There's hurricanes up in Canada right now. What you inevitably get to. Uh, in this type of economic system, and Trudeau knows all about this. You know, he's been to Cuba uh, before. Uh, what you inevitably get to is they try to they try to outlaw profits. They set a cap on profits, or they start to set caps on the prices for the groceries, which causes, of course, shortages. Or they start to outlaw profits or certain amounts of profits, which then knocks people out of that market because they need a certain profit margin. See, people who invest and they make businesses, they don't just have to do this. They're like, well, okay, I have an 8% profit cap on grocery business. Well, I can still, I can make 10% over here doing this. I'm just going to not do this. I'm going to go make 10% over here. Mm. And so they take their money elsewhere and start that business. And so then you have less grocery stores, which is less supply, which causes prices to go up still. And then they put price caps on, and you can't get the products for the shelves, and then you have shortages. Okay? But I don't know. 
just runs in this guy's blood. Tactical Warlock said something funny in here. Fed Haters Club. Go to joingmail.com. He said, last time I went to the grocery store, I saw someone in the back counting hundreds of thousands of dollars. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they're doing, by the way. And people bring up other good points. Like, it's multifaceted, right? So, like, inflation. What does inflation really mean? Well, that is the, the purchasing, the value of your purchasing power coupons has gone down, right? So, and then... Even if grocery stores aren't raising their prices, manufacturers are changing. Like your box of cereal that used to be 14 ounces is now only like 10 or 11 ounces. Shrinkflation. Exactly. So, or, you know, there's 10 less chips per bag Mm -hmm. now than there used to be. And so people are running out of food quicker. You You don't really realize some of those things. It may cost the same for that bag but there's less product in it. You really have but to look at like the per ounce prices, mm-hmm. you know, to see how much stuff how is much really going up. How much product are you actually getting for the value of your coupons, your fake coupons? <laughs> and that keeps going. So it's multifaceted, but it all stems from government spending. And, and we've talked about this in economics so often on this podcast. And we like gotten in fights with other modern, modern monetary dumb theorists on TikTok. Um, even if they're sound good or whatever, it's like we keep saying this over and over and over and over again. And what happens is libertarians are usually right about this every single time we see it play out and people still can't wrap their minds around why these things are actually happening. No one wants to ask the question to get down to the root cause. And they believe people like Trudeau and others that give these answers that have no data backing whatsoever they just give answers like well it's corporate greed and record profits and they're just raising profits they're price gouging they're doing all these things no no we're spending too much money that we don't have and this is a natural consequence of that over and over and over and over and over again and i'm i get frustrated because i'm like we need to do a better job of getting this into people's heads Mm -hmm. like we don't do a very we don't do a very good job of well we do a good job yeah well we do a great job i'm not saying we don't we're one of the best mm-hmm. the liberty podcasts there are out there i'm saying but we don't do a good enough job of of making this easy for people to digest i think and we need to figure out a better way to make it more fun like saying corporate greed it's just it's, you know government greed i don't know we need to we need we need a way to make it more easily digestible for people to be like when they see these things happening they're the first thought that should come to their mind is the government spending too much money. We need to, we don't have, we need to talk like they do in simple. See a problem I have. Uh, I, I have this problem on Twitter all the time. The best say tweets or posts uh, are things that are very binary. It's like, if you're not this, you're this, or like this means this. And the problem is the world is way more nuanced than that. Like I have a hard time writing a super simple post where like this is this or it's this Mm -hmm. because normally it's not it's like it would be a book it would take a book to actually explain this problem to people Uh, but when you're on the left or even some people on the right like they're really good at just boiling something down to a really simple term over simplifying things and maybe it's like my I, I don't my OCD mind my partial spectrum mind it's like wait, wait I'm no, just that's saying not I think we need to try stuff. to we need to try to figure out a way to to do that yeah you know use a similar rhetoric mm-hmm. I don't know 
that's just a thought. Well, maybe anyway. some uh, maybe some people in the group can help us with this new mission. Anyway, I'll Charlie help Jordan Peterson out here. Uh, Trudeau's dumb. He's, he's, yeah. He is. Oh, we can critique him. No, he's no. dumb. You can't in Canada anymore, but we can. We'll do it. Did you we'll see Jordan you. Peterson's mugshot? I think I, I sent did it to see you. that. Yeah, that was that really was funny. good. Really funny. <laughs> that was good. All right. If you enjoyed what you heard, once again, you can find Charlie and I. Good morning, Liberty, every single day of the week on your favorite podcast app. You can leave a rating and review as well. That helps feed the algorithms. You can also find this episode on the Free Talk Live podcast on whatever app you get your podcast. Search for anylies.com. For our show, our merch store, which is godhatesfeds.com, and join the Fed Haters Club, join gmail.com. We'll see you next Tuesday night. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.